Okay, everyone, you were listening to perhaps watching Calling the Audible. I'm your host, Pease Del Riz, the host of the longest running flag plus football podcast ever, Calling the Audible. That must be um, a fact. It has to be a fact because <laughs> we're running longer than uh, the Weppel, man. Uh, the, vo- the disembodied voice you heard is Eagle. The embodied voice you'll hear is Alexi Dubois. Hey, everyone. First appearance on the podcast. Well, first appearance not first by phone and not unplugging the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a terrifying experience. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about the format of the podcast uh, this show uh, because games haven't happened yet uh, or are happening right now. Uh, but in all honesty, uh, we're, we're shaking things up a little bit because we don't like when things get stagnant. So... Uh, we do want to talk a little bit about that. You'll notice, for example, Mokan is not here. He is on the lamb. The law is looking for him, and he is yet to be found. Um, do people still say on the lamb, or is that just a 30s gangster thing? Well, I didn't understand what you meant, okay. so I'll say no. It's, uh, it's like a, an old-timey 30s gangster saying, whenever I think of 30s gangsters, I always think of Zoe Deschanel. My wife and I do an impression of Zoe Deschanel, which is just her doing her 30s gangster thing. I'm like, man, see, it's a getaway car, see? But the key to a bad impersonation is you need to identify who you're impersonating at the end. Man, see, I'm Zoe Deschanel, see? And uh, that way you know who we're talking about. So I'm going to swing 0 for 2 on this one. I don't know who Zoe Deschanel is either. <laughs> right. I'm not starting good. Am I fired already? Well, no, it's just it's, it's the vast discrepancy in her ages. <laughs> And Be- my overwhelming lack of pop culture knowledge. You can yeah. quiz me on this one. I'll go over well, ten. So this is th- you're basically Mo. Um, <laughs> oh god. Oh. What happens is in a different way because most pop culture knowledge stopped in 1997 <laughs> when Venus. Uh, when sorry, when Serena Williams' career started, uh, which is terrifying, by the way. Um, how old were you when that happened? I was not born. You were not. Holy shit! All right, I was in high school. So um, wait, do you not know Death Cab for Cutie? No, sir. Because basically all Have you their not albums. Seen the movie Elf. Yes, I have. There we go. I'm one for four. She's Let's the go. girl. And She's the, the girl. The female the singing lead woman. The fucking girl in Elf. <laughs> the li- the There's only interest. one. This was a long time ago, guys. She sings uh, Baby It's Cold Outside before it was uh, not popular to do so. I have no clue what you're talking All right. about. <laughs> well, around Christmas time, make sure to spin up Elf. Uh, so we do. With, with, uh, <laughs> this is who it is. New Come on. <laughs> no? Really? Nothing. How do you not know who this is? So this is going to be awesome because we, with Eagle Knight, the, the show behind the show when we do it with Mo is Eagle Knight will make pop culture references purposely knowing that Mo doesn't get them. That's going to work. Oh, that's awesome. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Really? <laughs> I've got nothing. <laughs> so, uh, Alexi, of course, uh, has written the Co-Ed and Women's article uh, for a while. 100 Days of Summer? Come on. <laughs> If he hasn't, if he doesn't remember Elf, he's not gonna remember Hundred Days of Summer. Um, the, the, you know, if you, another place you might know him from is having done the finals broadcast, and this brings us to a production note. Um, I got one note from you actually about uh, the way you can improve. It says uh, Alexi needs to not be a dick. <laughs> yeah, I think people have told me that on the field as well. <laughs> I I think you lean more into it personally. Yeah, I definitely try to play it up a little bit. It's fine at a certain point. If you're not going to be liked, to be neutral is boring. Yeah. So it's more fun to be disliked. I always used to tell Simone when he used to work for the media that um, you want to at least be 50% loved and hated. If you're 50% lo- if you're 100% loved or 100% hated, you're not doing it right. Um, so you're like Simon Cowell before he showed up on America's Got Talent or uh, was it 
Not the voice. Gordon no, Ramsay. Isn't that the other one? Just all angry British guys. I know Gordon Ramsay. I don't know the other one. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he, so the thing is, like, uh, the, the one part of it, I was like, because I actually enjoyed the broadcast. I got, an, I got a, a, a live message from Terry Tam saying, uh, like, wh- while the game was going on, he said, uh, hey, what's up with Alexi? Why is he being such a jerk? I was like, what? Like, I, 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 I couldn't hear the broadcast, so I was like, well, I'll check it later. So, I get what people are saying. Really? Him? Not even him? I, I, I recognize the face. I couldn't tell you what he does. been on television for 20 years. I watch sports. To be fair, he's not a sports. He is, is not true. a sport. Good. Um, so, Terry's like, yeah, he's being a jerk. And I, I listened back and said, the one thing I will say is, I don't think your analysis was wrong, but the roadshow is kind of like a celebration of like football. It didn't feel celebratory. <laughs> so, like, there's, a, there's like a... There's a... Oh, middle ground to get there, you know? So I had this conversation, I think, with Iggy the day after the finals. Wait, was it the day after? Iggy texted me. was like, I think something along the lines of what Terry said. I, I get the point. At the same time, I was watching the game, and the game I was excited about, and I wanted to see something more from these teams. Which game was it again? Just to It was the Division... D? D. Yes, Division D. It was that team with... I want to say Joe Buck. His name's not Joe Buck. I called him Joe Buck during the production. Yeah. The, the forehead. Dirty Dogs and Peerless Scarred. Peerless that Scarred one. Dirty Dogs, yeah. I thought um, that was going to be a better game, too. I thought it was going to be a better game. And those are two really smart quarterbacks. And I wanted them to act like smart quarterbacks. And it was just frustrating to watch a game. It's like, well, obviously, I can't throw a football because I'm a lefty. All lefties can't throw. That's, that's true. That's it's a, a scientific fact. fact. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, do something. And I think the way of expressing that came across as frustration. So I'll come across saying... I was a dick, but I was right. But I'll keep the dick part in, the, in there. I'll accept that. Fair. So here is another production note for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about. What is the Roadshow piece? Thank you for asking. The Roadshow is the FPF product by which we uh, showcase the teams of the finals. Um, we uh, this is for this has been traditionally for the spring and uh, winter seasons, where we have a entire live production uh, where we stream the games live. We record them, put them on YouTube. We get a ton of hits on them. They're great games to watch. If you're an aspiring uh, FPF quarterback, that's a great way to learn play calling by championship-level quarterbacks. Um, and it's our celebration of, of everything we put into from the media. Um, it goes. It harkens back to a time where we used to post the uh, championship finals months after the finals were played because it took a long time to sync up the audio and visuals, and they were, all, they were done much later. And Eagle and I came along and said, why don't we do a live broadcast? To which Rob told us it was impossible, and yet here we are. <laughs> we now have li- we have live replay, the ability to challenge plays because we have replay. We have an official in the booth. It's it's a pretty awesome experience for players and also for the media team. I, I th- it's to me my favorite day on the FPF calendar every year. I know. And imagine how much fun it would be if you played in it, Peace. <laughs> one throw away. One throw away. One throw away. No, having played in the roadshow, it's an absolute great time. I highly recommend winning. It's a really mm. fun thing to do in I've FPF. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, no, the roadshow is super fun to both watch, call, if you're not being mean, and play in. It's all around the great time. The challenges are also really fun. You feel like you're professional for around an hour, then you go back home and rush the film and realize you're really slow and can't catch. But the way we look hour. in our minds versus oh. the way we look on, on tape, right? And then you come home and you're like, why can't I run fast? Why can't I throw a spiral? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like Game of the Week, which we also feature, which... Uh, 
we're going to start seeing on our uh, socials very soon. Uh, we're going to be posting about which games will be the game of the week. You'll start seeing them pop up. Um, it's that, but on steroids with live bro- live commentary, multiple camera angles, and so on. Uh, Eagle, what are we doing for the road? Will there be a roadshow for fall? With a new there format. will probably be a roadshow for fall because there's a finite amount of games this year. In the past, our fall cup actually had like dozens of finals, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think there literally was like 8 to 12 finals last time around, versus this year, we're narrowing it down to a single champion per tier. So there will be six, if I can count them right, uh, winners across all the different divisions that we have, tier 1, 2, 3, 4, women's and co-ed. So we can probably end up doing a proper roadshow final for the FPF Cup for the first time, which is going to be lovely. Yeah, which uh, would have been awesome because the only time I won a championship was last fall. But anyway, um, I digress. The the uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the structure in a second, but I do want to talk about what we're doing in the podcast. We want to extend the media team um, in a couple of different ways. We wanted to ha- get more voices on uh, the show because it's just it's a more interesting product and one of the things I really loved was when we had a huge team of about 10, 10 12 different people covering different divisions it's been harder to get that uh, for a lot of different reasons but we're starting to expand that once again we brought Alexi on Iggy has been a fixture on uh, the show since uh, since the uh, the uh, spring season uh, Mo and I, of course, will be regular fixtures as BOSR, as is Eagle. But we're also bringing along Lori Willette. And it struck me as I was watching the NBA, and they often have, um, for example, Candace Parker, the, who is a WNBA player, on the NBA on TNT. And it's like, why would she know just about the WNBA if she's a basketball fan? If she's a basketball player, basketball fan, she probably knows a lot about the NBA, which she does, and she does a great job with analysis. And I said, well, why do we tend to only have women on to discuss the women's division and co-ed? So it's instead of mansplaining with Mo and Pease, we'll have Lori women-splain us the men divisions as well, uh, the men's divisions as well. And um, I'm very excited to get uh, her perspective as well. So those are the main people you're going to be see hearing from throughout the season. Um, and, and in terms of writing, we're going to have myself, Iggy, and Lori covering multiple tiers. We're gonna, like I'm going to be focusing more on tier one and two. And Iggy will be focusing on three and four, and she'll be covering co-ed and women's. But we made a priority to include a bit of all the tiers in all of our articles uh, so that Lori can get more uh, more, uh, exposure within the men's league and so we can get more exposure within the women's and learn about women's and co-ed as well. Yeah, for everyone who's seen me write for co-ed for a huge number of years now, Lori's taking over. For anyone who thought I was too mean, I promise you I have the exact opposite problem with Lori. She'll be too nice. She won't say the mean things, but don't worry. She plays on my team. She plays with Pease and I. All I'm being <laughs> and, sure Iggy. To m- and Iggy. We'll be sure to mention all the awful stuff she needs to include in your article, so don't think you're getting a free scape there. <laughs> the, uh, the interesting <clears throat> thing about Lori is I, I think that, look, we all, we all say we play a character on the show and an NFPF. Um, I think the greatest differentiator and character between who we are in the show and who we are in real life is actually me but um the thing is is that we um we sort of dial up our character to like 10 i'd love to see Lori be like her character would be like so nice and then be really kind and gentle but say something really mean at the same time about but in like a really nice tone yeah, of voice like perhaps if they tried harder next time they try so hard <laughs> yeah exactly there we go there we go that would be that'd be fun to see um, so do I feel, like, I feel like she'd be a YouTube comment where it's like surprisingly funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd I'd like to do something where we make fun of the the internet tropes that w- bother us the most. The one for me is the people who think they're being humorous, where they 
just mention a juxtaposition that starts with imagine thinking or imagine being. It's like, yeah, that's not clever. That's You're just being the most over-the-top sarcastic. But anyway, I digress. So um, we, we actually did something different this year because it used to be a running joke that I used to try and tell you to introduce yourselves on the first episode, and you would make fun of me for doing that. Yes. So this year... I've circumvented all Damn of it. you, Damn and it. I reached out individually to people to try and get their introduction so we can purposely go through it. So, like tradition, Pease, I'll give you a little 30 seconds to reintroduce yourself to the audience. I'm Pease. I'm an asshole. Uh, nice to meet you all. If you do see me at the field, um, come talk to me. If not, then talk to Alexi, who's over here. Mr. President. I want to be the asshole. That's not nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am the one who plays way too much in co-ed. I've been playing co-ed for a while now. Uh, in case you haven't realized it, the version P's gave of me from our point two on the comment there was feedback on Alexi being a dick in the finals. Mm. So I... It's on the script. Yeah, that's, that's the script. That's my reputation to start off with. <laughs> so I'll try hard to improve upon that, but I'm guessing that's what it's looking like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Quick hello from myself. I am the voice you will never see. That's how voices work. That's how they all work. <laughs> and yet you don't know if you so know well this, quaffed. but we've never seen a voice. <laughs> or and his hair is so well coiffed to be off camera. No, not only have you never seen a voice, but um, Alexi's never seen the voice. So Very true. Yeah. Uh, if ever you do see me on camera, it's likely because there's a technical malfunction in the studio and I have to fix it immediately. So that's the only time you would actually see me. Um, so if you're looking for me at the field, I am a mystery. Yeah. But I'm great on defense. And if you're watching the show and um, my seat is empty, it's because I went to go take a dump ski. Um, and so we have the same thing from our team of analysts. So Iggy, Mo, and Lori. So we're going to go through these one by one. First, let's start with Iggy's introduction here. You guys haven't seen this yet, by the way, I which makes it even funnier. Welcome to a new season of Calling the Audible. I'm Iggy Magnets, and I can't wait to reference an obscure stat from 2017 or bring back a joke from Calling the Audible 2020. All right, let's do it. We're bringing back the Chutney Challenge. I'm not going to explain it. If you don't know what the Chutney Challenge is, go back watch back episodes like Iggy did. All right, we're going to get an introduction from Lawyer Roulette. Hello, my name is Lawyer Roulette, and I will be one of the new additions to the FPF team. This season, I will be scorekeeping, I will be taking some social media content, so if I come up to you or your team to ask questions and film it, that is why. I will also be taking over for the co-ed and women's divisions for the articles, which will be in French this season. Thank you. And lastly, we have Mokan. <laughs> so... Clearly Mokan. didn't understand wait, 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 the assignment. Wait, 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 wait. Mokan, radio professional, to this day has not realized that podcasts are largely audio medium. That by far our metrics indicate that most people either listen to the podcast or listen to it on YouTube while not actually physically watching the show. So Mokan indicated he'll be the co-host of the show. <laughs> I have most enjoyed calling the audible while on really long drives or I want to be nine, like just like mind-numbing soundtrack and that was the perfect calling yeah. the audible time. That's what we do. Also, we, we, we numb minds. For the small visual audience, can we point out that Mokan was wearing a championship t-shirt despite yeah. not playing a championship game since... It's since before P's. Yeah. The, the, the pre-P's era. More Since before Zoe Deschanel started acting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So that's, that's us. That's us. That's us. And also, Lori pointed something out. Uh, if you see Iggy or Lori at the fields, they're going to be helping us a lot with social content this year. So if you do see them, um, they're there to try and make the experience better for all of us. So uh, if you want to talk trash, if you want to say hey, if you want to just enjoy the spotlight for a moment, please do that. It's awesome. Um, you guys are what makes FPS special. Like, um, I've often been told, for example, like, yeah, what you guys do with the media is great. And sure, fine. Thank you. We appreciate it. We, it's a lot of work and we appreciate all the feedback. But honestly, it's the community. I, I've made more lifelong friends in flag football than I have in any other aspect of my life. I would never have met Alexi because he was literally born when I graduated high school. Um, I would never have met Eagle, who's become literally one of my closest friends in the world. Um, the community <laughs> is truly what makes FPF special. I grimaced. Yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> audio medium. Um, so um, that's it. Let's let's call Mo. Let's see what's going on at the fields right now. Can he, can the people hear the, the dial tone? Yes, they can. They can. So then I'll just be quiet while it's happening or talk somewhat lower. Can please be quiet? That's not possible. We'll find out. It's <laughs> not possible. I haven't, I haven't stopped talking since 2011. <laughs> he's not talking. He's writing. This is terrible. Well, come on. It's the best thing. Now, in his defense, we didn't tell him. I wrote it in the goddamn chat. Pay attention. You reached the voicemail box of MoCon. Please leave me your name and number, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. So is this segment? Hey, Mo, come on, man. Like, we called you. We Mo, called you here. Pick up the phone we, we call you. you to we're calling you for the episode we're not and everything. You have to answer you're your phone at the when field. we do this. This you is need an to audio tell podcast. You have to use your phone and everything. Listen, right now we're arguing on top of each other. It's not good audio. It's your fault, Mo. Is this segment better or worse than Mo's introduction? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Um, so one of, the big one of the big rule changes, we're going to get into the specific divisions in a moment, but we wanted to take a moment to talk about the league in general uh, and some of the stuff you might need to know. And one of the things was... Well, let me start with captain introductions. I know, I know, I know, I know. Because you're going to get... Why can't you do it after? Because you're going to start going into specifics without going into generalities first. So let's start with basic administrative rules. It's on, you couldn't have written it on the script. I'm sorry. I'm lazy. So let's start with our website. Okay. Before every game, you need to submit your roster. To do that, we go under the resources tab under the roster submit option. And basically, you fill in the form. It's not that hard. So you pick the date of your game whenever that is. So you type that in. Then after you enter that, let me just do this quickly here. Uh, what time is my game at? I don't know. Something like that. After that, you go ahead and pick your team name, whichever one it happens to be. Put that in. Then pick your division. Then pick the location of where you're at. This should be filtered based on the thing itself. And then enter in the game roster, including jersey numbers, first and last names. And if people are missing for that game, enter it in here. Submit that. So you have to do that before every game. Technically, the rule is if you don't submit your roster, you're not ready to start the game. In the same way, if you don't submit your lineup to start an NHL game or an NFL game, those players shouldn't play. So this is the only way of actually making sure the scorekeeper gets your roster officially. Now, some scorekeepers will let you do it at the field, but they're not supposed to. So if they are, it's more courtesy to you rather than something that they're supposed to be doing. So but make sure to that, vote in. Know that they're within the rights to penalize you. Exactly. Technically, you aren't able to start a game without your roster in, and if the clock hits zero or the t hour, whatever it is, you're technically losing 6 nothing because it's a game clock violation to start the game, essentially. You're not ready to play. So make sure that's in. 
Also, you can use our roster verification tool to check to make sure that your team is cap compliant. So when you submitted your roster at the beginning of the season, you got ratings for all your players. If you haven't done that, you should probably figure out how that works pretty quickly. But every time you type in a player here, it's going to go ahead and give you options for each one. You click on the box to add them to the breakdown itself. And then based off of that, uh, you can actually select people to add to it. I'm just picking random people at this point, which also happen to be nice and staff members here. And it'll basically give you options along the way for you to select, if I could type. And so you're going to get to a point where you'll have players that are entered, like so. And these people will not count towards the cap, but this number is the important one. And that will show if you're cap compliant or not. Keep in mind, so QB caps are not checked over here. Yeah, remember, Eagle, as you're describing this, that most of our audience is not Visual. So that's a nice visual aid, but make sure that you're being specific with... You should probably go check this point out. It's time set number 21 minutes. Yeah, um, yeah it's under the roster verification... Sorry, under the... Um, what's, the what's the bar it's under? Yeah, roster verification. roster verification. Roster verification. But that's not that's to, that's to verify roster, but to submit your roster, it's roster submit. It's under resources. Exactly. There's the two of them right here. And of course, our full rulebook is in the documents area, as well as our roster regulations uh, do document as well, which illustrates how you get games played, how you have your jerseys, how you have to submit things, the cap system, et cetera, et cetera, for any uh, checks you have to have. Please make sure you read it. You need four playoff uh, four games played to be eligible for playoffs across the season. So make sure you are collecting your GPs along the way and that you have your jerseys and flag bouts, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to do for just general introductions on the league. Now, please, we can go into our changes for Fall Cup. Absolutely. Um, so one of the rules that was – also, if you see any issues with the rule book, like just you know things that are worded weirdly or poorly, please send it to us because we actually have a committee that meets after seasons to talk about the rules. Uh, we also have a joint committee where Eagle and I meet with referees to talk about some of the applications. Of Way too early in the morning. Things that, well, we're meeting tomorrow morning at 7.30 after finishing work at no 10.30 tonight or whatever it is that we leave here. Um, our FBF schedule is starting to get a little intense, but we do that because we want to improve the product. Uh, one of the rules that was just introduced, I'm not crazy about the way the rule was put into place, but I'm very intrigued by the concept of the onside kick. So, Yes. Hmm. I was on the committee that wrote this rule. The final vote on the rule was five in favor, one against. I'm going to proudly say I was the one person who voted against putting an onside attempt rule into FPF. Can I read the rule out? I've got it in yeah. front of me. That's why I went to you. <laughs> perfect. Immediately after they score a touchdown and attempt a convert, if they so desire to attempt a convert, a team gets one try from their own five-yard line to advance the ball past midfield. If they are successful, they retain possession at the point ball dead and obtain a first down or score if applicable. If they do not make it to midfield, the opponent takes over at midfield. Note, if attempted in the last five plays, this counts as a play. Okay. So I thought it would have been an option at the convert, like it is currently, but I thought it would be that you can go for one point at the two, two points at, uh, sorry, one point at the five, uh, two points at the f at the ten, and then um, onside kick from the fifteen or whatever. Midfield is a bit nebulous. Unfortunately, our fields are not standard, so doesn't love that. Also, it just feels like a long way to go to set up a play where you can just set up the play where you're currently standing. Hmm. Yeah, I like the way the play is designed now from an offensive standpoint because you have the whole length of the field to defend it from. Right? If you're running this play from fifteen yards to the end zone, all you have to defend is in theory that goal line, right? Here you're forcing teams to defend 
midfield and the 25 yards behind midfield. I'm the defensive coordinator here, and you're the quarterback. This should make you happier than it makes oh, me. Oh, it does. From when I'm looking for it, I always want rules that create more gameplay. So I, I love, for example, when we restrict the play clock. You know that I don't even like to huddle that much, and I, li- I run a sugar huddle, right? So like, I want to run as many plays as possible. I think, in general, teams want to play as many plays as possible and have the least amount of dead time. So to me, running it the other way was decreasing the amount of dead time. Um, actually, the one very important part of this, which I did forget to mention, is you can each team can only use this once a game. Yeah. No more than once. So at the worst, let's say you're moving back from the five. This is costing you an extra 10 seconds. Maybe this play overall costs you 1.5 plays in the grand scheme of things. Well, but you got to go all the way back to your side of the field. But you have to go all the way back to your side of the field either way after a convert. That's fair. You're well, no, because the, you, you would start the, the other team would start right there. That's a good point. That's a good point. Also, just to point out, this is our current iteration of this rule for the change. Fall Cup season. It's possible we take it out for next year. It's possible we tweak it based on feedback. It's possible that we introduce more restrictions or more or loosen the current restrictions to you know change the way it actually is done. So give us your feedback, please. It's extremely important here. We want to know what you think. We want to see what the like some teams are going to do. Like for example, we know for in tier one. All the teams used to use timeouts to try and get more plays at the end of like the first half, for example, to try and exploit the way our clock management works. We'll see what they end up doing with the onside rules, right? To try and like create larger leads after scoring yeah. and everything. Well, yeah, I don't want to get thing, too much you know? into um, the strategy because I, I actually want to see week one yeah. how teams implement this uh, kind of on their own. So we'll see how, how they implement it strategically. And then as the season goes on, uh, we'll talk about sort of who's using it well and why and, and so on and so forth and analyze the thing. I always talk about this where I'd rather talk about things that have happened than things we don't know will happen in the future, right? So uh, let's react to that in, f- in future weeks. Um, any other rule changes for this season? To the best of my knowledge, no. We'll change the playoff format, but we'll talk about but that's that. that's the next point, yeah. yeah. So if there's no other rule changes? Have they changed the jewelry loophole or can I still annoy people? You can uh, still annoy people. Yes. What I'm you're so asking Chris. is whether or not Chris Rive should have gone for no fourth down. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so now that we've gone through the, the, the one big rule change, essentially, um, I want to talk about the administrative changes. And th- that's specifically the format. We Eagle, I don't know if you remember uh, back in, I want to say, 2016, you, Rob, and I met for lunch. Um, and over some ribs, we discussed... Um, the potential fall cup and what the format would look like. And it's changed every season since this is the first season where I th- I'm like, Hey, I think this might stick. I think this You're is welcome. the one. This is, the, this feels, this feels about right. Uh, no, idea. Eagle. No, that was my idea. The double elimination. Yes. That was my idea. No, your idea was to have a single final. Hey guys, guess what doesn't matter on the show. <laughs> it's whose idea. No, no, I have to claim credit for this. Okay. It's but in ego. the end, in the end, Eagle, as you know, I'll get credit for it. It doesn't matter. True. So I get credit for things Rob does. I've literally been called the owner of FPF <laughs> in, in public. So it's uh, it's funny. I get the credit no matter what. But Eagle, do you want to take us through, since you came up with it and uh, Alex had nothing to do with it, uh, would you like to take us through the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the structure of it and put up the graphics for those watching? For those listening, I will say, do take a note of the timestamp, which is? 28 minutes. 28 minutes. Um, please take a look at this part of the show because it's going to talk about how you qualify for postseason and what that means for you uh, during the Fall Cup 2022. 
So this season will feature a double elimination bracket across all of our tiers. The biggest change being, one, some teams will not get double elimination rights. And two, every team makes playoffs, which is something which is kind of unique in the way we've done things in the past. So to break it up, we'll have an eight-game regular season which will determine the seeds going into the playoffs. Then from there, approximately half of the teams will have a double elimination bracket. The other teams will have a single elimination bracket. So what that means is if you're in an upper bracket, as we'll describe it, and you lose a game, you drop to the lower bracket, and that's your second chance. Versus if you start in the lower bracket... You can only win in order to get a championship at the end of the day. The moment you lose, you're out. So the way this is going to be represented on our site is a color coding, which you will see, for example, here's tier one, where there are four teams currently in green and four teams in yellow. So the green teams will get double a Lin. I legit thought it was red and green this whole time. That's hilarious. So the top four teams are green and they will have double limb rights. The bottom four teams are going to be single limb. What this looks like from a bracket perspective will be as such where the upper bracket will have, for example, team one versus team four and team two versus team three, as well as team five versus team eight and team six versus team seven. So the way this bracket is designed, just to kind of give you an idea, is the upper seed always wins, just to walk yourself yeah, through that's this. The four, like, so that's the sort of quote-unquote simulation we've built where the, the top seed wins just for purposes of uh, illustrating the point. So notice here, between 5, 8, and 6, 7, 5 and 6 would win, so 8 and 7 would get eliminated. But in the upper bracket, 3 and 4 would lose, and they would drop down into the lower bracket to play against that 5 and 6 seed in games five and six, respectively. And then that works its way through the entire bracket. So the same thing applies for tier two, except tier two has a little bit of a bye week at the beginning. Uh, you also have the same thing for tier three, and which is much larger because there's so many more teams. The same thing for tier four. The same thing for co-ed with kind of a play-in, if you want to call it that. And then the same thing for women's as well, where there's a free seed uh, for the one seed. So they all go through a different format of this. We're going to have these posted in the playoff breakdown section of each tier if you want to get a description of exactly how these work. But that is the format that we're going with. So that means, for example, and I'm going to bring up the uh, tier three bracket, you can play a lot of games potentially. So... Imagine if you were, I'm going to go with the ninth seed. You could play one, two, three, four, five, six games in the playoffs to get yourself to the finals, depending on where you start in this. So you could potentially play nine games this season. You could potentially play 15 games this season if you're in tier three, which is pretty crazy. But it also means that the regular season matters versus in the past, it was kind of a situation where you didn't really matter where you finished. Like you were in a money bracket or you were just playing a consolation playoffs versus here, there was a true tier champion with a cash prize at the end and every team has a chance at it, except the better you do in the regular season, the better your odds are. For the first time, there was fall seasons where you wanted to tank and it was the most frustrating thing to be like, yeah. losing this game is better for me in the long run. And now the other really important thing I want to point out is that I was right. If Eagle cares to scroll through the chat, we have empirical evidence that this was my proposal and not Eagle's, and I just want that to be now on the record. I had this done way before that. 
but but it was labeled as the Alexi proposal. I will find the chat to where it was. <laughs> so, uh, Ego, thanks for breaking that down again because uh, that was all your idea. So, it's really appreciated that you did that for all of us. You did that for all of us. It's like it's like how hard Phil Collins went on the Tarzan soundtrack. He did that for us. Another reference, Alexi doesn't understand. I know Tarzan. There we go. You don't know Phil Collins? No, sir. The greatest American musician of all time, even though he's British. I played... Wait, I used... Isn't there a Williams guy who also did movie soundtracks? Yes. That one I know. Okay. You know what the timestamp of this is? Because I have a conversation with Rob on July 27th. Guys, the timestamp on it? It's the least interesting conversation. No, no. no, no I need to win. It, it's, well, it would, be, it would be a change for lockdown and you. But we'll talk about you guys later. Um, this is the most important part of the podcast. Yeah, I'll wait while we... Everyone will wait. We yeah, can call Mo in the meantime. 32 minutes and we talked about a single team. Actually, call Mo in the meantime. So this conversation was in early August, but I know I had a meeting with Rob in early July. If we remember the first, our weekly... Ooh, that's distracting. Our weekly Friday morning meetings. Hey, Mo, how's it going, buddy? Hey, hello, hello. Hey, hello, hello. Let's we, we have going to get to uh, some of the action on the field. Oh, it's who's the uh, team over here. So, yeah. Congratulations, boys. All right, yes. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get to uh, some of the on-field action. Well, but what field are you at uh, exactly? Before I, before I do that, Laurie is really, like, nervous right now. Who? She's so nervous right now. She, oh, Laurie. Laurie's here okay. trying to do – yeah, she's practicing whatever she's doing, and she's a little bit nervous today. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you, you, uh, you brought that up. I, I had an important question, actually, before we of get course. to the, yeah. the game action. Um, yeah. I want to know, who, whose idea was it to go single elimination and double elimination? There is a correct answer. That was me. Yeah, it was it was yeah, me it was though, right? It was, it was it was Alexis. Why? Yeah, yeah, thank point, you, thank you, thank you. One point, Alexis. Okay, well, we'll call you back for uh, game action in a bit. We'll talk no to you. No problem. A bit. Excellent. We'll talk to you. Let me just calm down, Laurie. She's a little bit nervous right now. Yeah, yeah do the Lord's work. Do the Lord's work. Thank she, you, Mo. She's like, oh my God, how do I take a picture? Don't worry, we'll figure it out. All right, yeah. all the best. That on-field update was brought to you by Sportira. Thank you for your sponsorship. Uh, we will continue to bring great quality on-field updates just like that. Um, thank you for your sponsorship. Um, so let's get to some of the teams. Let's, let's actually start to talk about uh, some flag football <laughs> stuff. STL returns to FPF, and what can we make of them in Tier 1? They seem like a really nice, really solid middle-of-the-pack Tier 1 team. Can they compete with Braves? Probably not. Can they beat up on some of the lower-ranked teams? Probably yes. Wow, that was a great analysis in all of 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Starting you off my career strong. You gave me a, you know what? Maybe. Um, Maybe. <laughs> I think, I think they're, they're pretty solid um, all around. Um, Paul Pierre in this roster is interesting. Paul Pierre in this roster gives them what they were missing. They're missing sort of that uh, one extra piece of like potential, you know, Div 1 level talent. Uh, obviously, you know, having Theo Gea, having Zach Swern who's played sort of Division 2-ish. Uh, but having that one extra piece that allows them to really compete, I think Paul Pierre is that. Uh, Paul Pierre is that. Um, Dylan Taylor, though, hasn't played in a little while, um, so hopefully the time away has allowed him to sort of collect himself and return to the best version of himself. I was always excited to see his uh, growth as a quarterback, and this can be that opportunity. If the best version of Dylan Taylor is Dylan Taylor refing, that's an interesting take. I always rather players as players, not as refs. Um, I love this team. I, I've taken a second to look at the roster now, so I can be slightly more informed. The question I have is to win in Tier 1, Div A, Division 1, whatever you want to call it, 
look, you can say you need to score six touchdowns. You don't need to score six touchdowns. I'm a defensive guy. Your defense needs to make one stop. Do you see this Easier defense? said than done in tier oh, one, though. Oh, so much easier said than done. Oh, and so that's, who that's invited this guy? What is he talking about defense? What oh, it's this? all about defense. The podcast is, is now a defensive thing. Who on this team can consistently make one stop on defense? I see Theo. I don't see anyone else. Eddie Lee is an underrated yeah. uh, like flat defender. Jamie Ojea is also really good on defense. Uh, Jamie will tell you he's better than Theo. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that continues to play out. I would uh, imagine Terrence Adams is going to be rushing. And, you know, it doesn't matter that much because most of the time you have your first read or even second read ready. The, but the, if you can do just enough to yeah. have that pressure matter, that's where you can potentially generate mistakes. It's You need to be fast enough to get there when the QB gets down to his third read. And Terrence Adams is that kind of rusher. Um, look, I don't think it's a perfect team. I don't think it's the strongest team in the division. Um and we'll talk about the Braves in a little bit as well. But um, I do think, at the very least, even if they're not um, in the top side of the bracket at the end, I think they're going to be competitive game in, game out. I 100% agree with that. Let's also circle back to the fact that Peace ended his analysis right where I started mine. Um, I think this is a team that can compete week in, week out simply because they can hang in there you with scores. You don't have to disagree. It's not first take. But it's so much more <laughs> fun to disagree. That's well, so you want me to fake it like on first take? Oh, yeah, 100%. Let's yell at each well, other. We'll Jamie Ojea is better than Theo Ojea. <laughs> Good. That's a bad take. This team will score eight drives out of nine. And that's why they'll be competitive in Tier 1 because yeah. they have the offense to score consistently. To win in Tier 1, it's not about scoring consistently. It's it's getting a stop, and it's winning on converts. And that's the difference between good and great. This team is good because they'll score. They're not great because I don't have the confidence they'll make stops. But looking at their roster, do you think they can go 3-0? and Because even the Bless game, I, I mean, in my opinion, I think they're a good matchup against Blessed, right? Like, Blessed, I think their system doesn't work against this team. Who's the better quarterback, Dylan or Steve H? Uh, well, I mean, so Steven struggled with outlaws. In Division Two, in in the winter season, I think it was a learning experience for Stephen Harper Sato because the the dude is a supercomputer. His ability to process information and adapt is the best we have in FPF. We saw that in the thirty-five plus season where he also struggled and then adapted to not having the same kind of weapons he usually has. Here he has the weapons he'd like to have. I think Blessed is is the best version, uh, is a better version of that Outlaws team. Uh, that we saw, I think now with Will, Will Power getting some high division experience, he looks like a different player now. Uh, coming off receiver of the year in Division Two, James Langshaw is a guy again not as known in the higher divisions, but his athleticism is on par with um, everyone in the division. I think the difference is STL is a more physical team, where Blessed is still a finesse team. This isn't a team that's used to playing physical. I'm talking about Bless now. Yeah. Knowing most of these guys, they're all fantastic players. Even someone like Marvin isn't used to the physicality of Tier 1. I'm not going to say the Ojea brothers thrive in physicality. I remember games where physical coverage has been able to take them out of games. But on the upside is they know how to play physical. This Bless team, once they get hit, bodied, bruised, might react with anger instead of competitiveness. As a dude who I threw an elbow at Theo Ojea in the past and had him come up into my face. He, he, I would say there's the anger, but he's the kind of dude who feeds on the anger. Like, after the, he's on, like after the game, we're both fine. We talked, we're chilling, we're hanging out. But um, in the moment, 
like you saw a flip switch and I was like, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Uh, he's mad now and he's he's coming for us. Um, I, I'm just loving this visual of Peace trying to defend Theo. Jaya. No, it was the opposite. It was oh. on offense. That was okay. on offense. He was defending. He was the uh, the three on defense and I was snapping. Okay. Um, I, I, love the, I love the visual of Peace and Theo lining up in man coverage. I yeah. wanted well, he, to see Yeah, that. he was manning me and I was frustrated because <laughs> as you can imagine, I was not getting open with Theo Jaya covering me. <laughs> So the the uh, the uh, thing about STL. Uh, the, so the go- going back to the original conversation you, that you brought up, um, how does Stephen Harper thought fare against a guy like Dylan Taylor? Not that quarterbacks go up head to head per se, but how does one fare in, in the, this level of competition versus another? Um, I think that seeing the field the way Stephen Harper does is truly impressive, and that his ability to scheme guys wide open is as as impactful as we've seen that style of quarterback thrive in FPF. The difference is that Stephen Herbstad doesn't like to throw a contested pass. Dylan is used to playing in high division, and where his success will be is that if he has an opportunity that's one-on-one and it's slightly contested, he'll trust his receiver to make a play. He'll throw in a tight window to Zach's Wern and expect Zach, for example, to box out a receiver. That's not Stephen Herbstad's game. In a vacuum, who's a better quarterback? Stephen Harpersad, who's better for this division? I'm leaning to start Dylan Taylor, but let's see how Stephen has adapted to playing high division now. It sucks when you make a really good point because I can't disagree, but that that's a really spot on point. Thinking no, back, you have to force a disagreement. I, I wish I could. It's hard. <laughs> you see, <laughs> <laughs> thinking back to how Steve H plays, he's amazing at getting guys open and hitting open guys. Thinking back, like think of someone like Isaiah Lard, who is a mismatch on 95% of players in FPF. He didn't use Isaiah Zalard's height mismatch as much as his athleticism and ability to get open. He wouldn't throw jump balls to Isaiah, which is crazy because Isaiah wins jump balls. End of sentence. It doesn't matter who it's against. So I agree with that, and I think that's probably the next level of confidence. I think Steve's definition of open needs to change change, a little bit. It's not two yards of separation. In Tier 1, with the quality of receivers he has, a yard of separation is open, and with some receivers like Isaiah... No separation, they're still open. But we saw that his development when he when Stephen Harper started arrived from MFL. Uh, at the time, especially, MFL's level of competition was lower than ours. It, it still is, but uh, at the time, the, the highest level of competition in MFL was about Division 5. It, it's no longer the case. But Stephen got to Division 5 and was good, but not what he is now. And then as he moved up in divisions, all right, well, it took him a second to adapt, but... Every season he's learned and he's improved. So it wouldn't shock me, given that he's now played in Division Two, to go to Tier One and see uh, a different level of success. Uh, similarly for thirty-five plus, which is also a little bit more of a, a more physical game, because a lot of them are guys who've aged out of playing in Division One and Two. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see how that develops for sure. Um, but I wanted to know now, given that there's no All Stars, Montreal's finest, no Kevin Wyeth team, right? Um, Braves and Kangaroos seem to be the front runners. The team's quarterbacked by uh, Dan Lazara and Joe Mayer, uh, not respectively, because I did it in reverse order for no apparent reason. But um, given that we expect them to be the front runners, who are the teams we can uh, expect to fill the void as the next runner up 
Will it be no regard or they'll someone inconsistent? Will it be one of the teams we've mentioned or someone we haven't talked about at all? Someone we haven't talked about at all. This answer is easy for me. This is a team that's been competing in Division 1, has a really similar roster coming back into Tier 1, which is weaker to Division 1. The easiest and obvious answer is run it once, despite them probably forfeiting their first game of the season. No, they found someone. They, sorry, they, ha- they were playing? Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Go subs, go. Um, if you take a look at this team, I'll, I'll name you a very simple offensive formula. You have Jeff Rosenblatt throwing to James Drisdale, Altani Birisbois, and Ben McMahon. Yeah. That is as good a duo in Tier 1 as anyone else. Yeah, normally three receivers are known as a trio. But it's a quarterback. Duo. It's a double duo. Sorry, but that made no sense. Okay. It makes sense But Rosenblatt's throwing. Rosenblatt is throwing to a trio of Birisbois, McMahon, yes. and Drisdale with amazing secondary options. But if you take that trio of receivers on its own, I am confident to say they're the best three receivers in Tier 1. They are not. Really? Yeah. Is Okay, snapper-wise, who are you taking as a snapper over McMahon? Um, I mean, if Paul Appear is playing snapper, that's indefensible. It is in the opposite way that McMahon is yeah. indefensible. The literal opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brisbois, in my opinion, right now, best receiver in FPF. It's close. Weirdly, I actually think he might be a better quarterback if he committed full-time playing quarterback. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll eventually see that, I hope. And I, I think the Submergents the would like a word. I think A.J. Gomes would like a word. And they all play together. I'd say the two Submergent brothers and A.J. Gomes on, uh, on Kangaroos is up there. I'd say, you know, we tend not to talk about the Braves because they're boring. But, but like, George Gary P. and J.D. Chevalier and uh, pick another Brave with the fact that Joe Mayer is throwing the ball to them. You know, um, but the reason Braves are a level above a team like Run It Once is because Joe Mayer is the best quarterback in FPF or the second best quarterback in FPF. I'm saying this is your third best team. Yeah. And I will take these three receivers over everyone, and we'll have this conversation in week 10 again. What I like about Jeff Rosenblatt, I said for years that the, the, um, the, the glitch, the, the, the cheat in the high divisions was to go get lower cap players from low divisions. Fall Cup forced that issue. It wasn't happening. And guys were thinking like Mo, which is clearly wrong, that a player needed to be a Div 1 player before they were Div 1 player to succeed in Div 1. It's this thing we do in sports, by the way. Oh, this guy's a choker. And then they win the championship. It's like, well, do it again. No, it's fine. Let's try and look ahead. If, if our job is to analyze, let's look and project ahead. And now we've seen. We've seen guys like Ben McMahon make an impact in, in the spring season in Division A. We've seen um, Vincent Benjamin have, uh, play a role in, in high divisions. We've seen Will Power win receiver of the year. Jeff Rosenblatt has been a champion of this from the beginning because he knew we couldn't get the top-level talent like Theo Ojea. And now that he's, he's become better as a quarterback, not only has he attracted the high-level talent, but he's still an expert at scouting low-level, l- lower-division talent like a guy like James Drysdale, who I think is absolutely ready to compete in Tier 1. Oh, James is more than ready to compete in Tier 1. He's ready to excel in Tier 1. For me, he's, yeah. not, a guy, he's not a find anymore. It's he's a guy who, who, like Will, can win Receiver of the Year and not surprise me. Yeah, if, if we finish the season and James Dreisler was Receiver of the Year in Tier 1, I'll go, oh, good for James because he beat out fantastic players. Shocked. But I wouldn't look at it twice. I went like, someone calculated the stats wrong. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that person calculating the stats wrong would be me, but whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you give him the award and he doesn't deserve it, you'll, you'll hear from him. By the way... When it's time for awards, don't message me saying that I made a mistake. I'm not involved in the process at all. Don't say Alexi who it is. Alexi is your guy. Oh, no. It's Always no, message no. Alexi. 
Um, There's a reason that my social media handle is not on the screen right now. It's at Flag Plus. Um, yes, message at Flag Plus. Icky will get those messages. So, that's a lot of co-ed teams, man. That's so many co-ed teams. I was shocked. I co- did not pay attention to registration at all this year. And then I kind of looked at it the day before we closed registration. I was like, what is going on with co-ed? So, co-ed is carrying FPF. Yeah. Thank you, co-ed. You're welcome. I am co-ed. What? <laughs> Mansplaining with Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're Kerry Cohen, not the amazing women players who absolutely lifted the division. Me, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> this is why we hired Lori. <laughs> <laughs> to balance this out. Because it's a bad look all the time. Um, but yeah, so what do you think has contributed to the uh, increasing amount of teams registering Cohen? I have no clue. It's not, a, it's not a perfect division. Like, as very much a disclaimer to all the teams that will be playing in Coed, the talent discrepancy is huge. If you look at these 15 teams in co-ed, they could be split across three tiers realistically. There's an A, B, and C tier in yeah. co-ed this year. It will become obvious as the, stand, as the season goes forward. I think there's something, a vibe about the co-ed division, which is just slightly different than what we have in the other divisions. There's a bit more fun. There's a bit more amicability. Don't look at the Division 1 co-ed final from last year as an example of that. Look at the rest of the seasons. The division, but there was some bad blood. Yeah. I am convinced that goes back to things that happened in MFL between Dom and, and Stephen Harperson as well. Like the dudes who have taken issue with each other in the past. Of course, we talked about in the broadcast the celebrating of Abby's injury bothered me on a personal level because I know Abby, um, and obviously you as well, being on, on Kiss My End Zone. But um, generally, I will say this: while it's incredibly competitive, it's less. Um, jerky it kind of feels so it's weird because th- the highest divisions in fpf are intensely competitive but some of the worst sportsmanship you see is in the lower divisions yes because they're not part of the community yet what co-ed already feels like its own community of it players. does i think i've thought about this one a bit more i've got a quick answer to it in the lower divisions this is both from a team of individuals being put together and from higher divisions who go higher division players yeah. who go down to lower division players who are like I want to inflate my ego and have six thousand yards. In coed, I think the reason why it's so popular is it feels a lot more of my team against your team and not individuals against individuals, be it on the same or opposite teams. I think that's one of the bigger vibes. Well, we heard about it when Laurie was on the show talking about. Uh, teams in co-ed. It was very... We do a lot... Or even when Sarah Parker's been on, we do a lot of, as guys in general, this this dude against this dude. We did it with two quarterbacks who were never on the field at the same time, right? With Stephen Harperson and, and <coughs> Dylan Taylor. Um, they do see it as more of a, an absolute team effort. Um, it's okay, Alexi. You can continue talking on the show... Sorry. <laughs> Eagle. We, we need to get this catch. I appreciate it. Yeah, I saw. In Beautiful. revenge of... <laughs> He's Eagle, really good at football. Eagle was robbed the joy <coughs> of having the idea of the co-ed cup, f- of the double elimination, sorry. So he decided to try to spoil the, Sunday, the Thursday night opener for me, which I'm very much looking forward to going home and watching. This is just dastardly, dastardly behavior right here. Usually I put it up on the big screen. <laughs> so You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I think we know what he's doing next. So... So, um, no, I, I completely agree. Um, which of the new teams in co-ed uh, are most intriguing? Oh, that's a good, a good question. I have Thanks, a, man. And for once, I have an answer ready for it. 
Um, I would hope you prepared to be on the show, yes. Oh, I had to prepare? Oh, crap. I'm not ready. <laughs> um, free smoke. I, I, I'm reading the script and like preparing while peace takes all the time talking. It's an amazing strategy. I highly recommend it. Free yeah. smoke are hands down the most exciting team in co-ed. Um, I'll just name you the names, Pease, and tell me if you're scared to throw against these guys. Jean-Zlie Alexis, Jimmy Lee Janvier, and Jordan Alexis. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a menacing Do we core. play them? I think we do. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. Move on. We pay, we play them in the last week of the season, awesome. but I'm not there. Um, yeah, sorry. Spoiler alert. I'm probably not there that game. Okay. But there's this huge asterisk next to any single team in co-ed because there obviously are female players on this team, as co-ed suggests. That being said, uh, Josiane Martin, I unfortunately have no clue who you are. I have no clue if you're the best female player ever or the worst. And so much in co-ed comes down to these female players comes down to if your female players can win the matchup against other female players. So if your female players can't win that matchup, then you're forced to start changing around assignments. It takes away your ability to play man coverage. So that's a huge aspect in co-ed. You could have Kevin Wyeth throwing to Pat Roman in co-ed with not very good female players, and I'm convinced that team will look average. We've had rule suggestions forever. I'm not going off topic now. Yeah. To impose a number of passes to female players and all that in co-ed. And my answer to that every time is, no, it already exists. Yeah. I can't find a single co-ed team who has succeeded without adequately, adequately integrating their female players. So for me, the most exciting team of the new teams coming in is Free Smoke. They'll turn from exciting to contender once we know the level of their female players. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I'm kind of with you there. Um, this is where like a lot of times having Mo here is helpful because he knows, for example, a lot of times where uh, some of the female athletes have played U sports before. He's more connected in that community. So um, for those of you who we don't know your teams, please reach out to us. Uh, and Lori, of course, will do a great job covering you because she's integrated into the community as well. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, how that all shapes out as well. Um, there seems to have been some division with... Why and why and Fast and Furious? Uh, Fast and Furious uh, is a team. Fast not furious. Fast not furious. Sorry, I, I was thinking of the greatest movie series uh, ever created, uh, the height of cinema. Um, but Fast not furious uh, sees Ryan Dobbs Garnett uh, make a team with Quasi Gordon Mall, uh, potentially Merlu Cote Noel, um, and sort of separate from the Why and Why franchise. So, how does this impact both teams? This is kind of how the Y&Y franchise works. The reason Kiss by Endzone came to exist is that another group of players grew weary of the ways of Y&Y, grew weary of an authoritarian, dictatorian rule, and decided to move on and create their own franchise. I think that's similar to what happened with Fast Not Furious. Look, Gino, in his respect, is a great captain who's won multiple seasons in FPF, mm -hmm. but I don't think he has a friendly approach. I don't think you ever finish a season of Gino being... I loved playing for that guy. So I, I know I can be harsh about him on the show. I never have a negative thing to say about him as a player. No. Or as a team builder. He's in the FPF Hall of Fame for his contributions to flag football. Um, but our personalities are diametrically opposed. There's not a single person in FPF with whom I have less in common than Gino DeFazio and my approach and the way I build teams. And... Um, to me, the, the best version of the team is um, that everyone gets involved and that um, we do things above board and honestly, and that's not the way that's done on 
his teams. And it does wear with some players. Alexi, you're an example of this. You played for Gino in FPF Junior and in FPF Men's League as well. Uh, or, or was it co-ed specifically when you started? I started playing with Gino in the co-ed, in the Fall Cup a million years ago. Yeah. It was back when there was the um, spread system. The first game, my first game playing in FPS was against Rock the Abdulkader, and he hung a million points on us because there was a spread, and that nearly traumatized me. But yeah, that's how I got into FPS. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. So like, and and the thing is, is that does wear on people. Oh, I'm not gonna say my approach is perfect. A lot of players don't like my approach either, which is fine. Uh, but you know, uh, there's there's a specific reason uh, I feel the way I do, um, and I've made it common knowledge on this podcast. So. Uh, I have a microphone. He doesn't. It's not fair. Um, but I'm going to use the microphone I have. Um, yeah. But if we want to talk about the matchup, I think... Not the matchup specifically, but how it affects each of the franchises. Who's better poised for success given the division? Well, Who's can, we, can we just look at a very simple example? I know we talked a little bit about you know the strength of a co-ed team is not just the, the men, but the overall roster, including the women. If you compare the two, I mean... I see Fast Not Furious having a significant advantage over YIY in that category, right? You have Lorian Lapointe, you have Marilu Cote Noel on this team, and uh, a few others they brought in. Versus on YNY, you're going with uh, Kia Allen Bakeles and Lamise Aljundi, Olivia Stewart, Olivia Francisco, Rachel Valier as the main ones here. Yeah, I'll take those girls any day over the female players on Fast Not Furious. Um, Kaya, or Kia, sorry, I always mispronounce her name is one of the fastest players I've ever seen play. She's amazing. Uh, she has a special connection of Gino. She will burn you on 40-yard flies. I'm telling you right now, cover her on a 40-yard play the first play of the game. That's a touchdown. Rachel Vardier had some ridiculous something like 14 interceptions in the women's division. In like 16 games played or something. In six games played. Oh, it was, oh that was all in one season. That, that, that was, was in career one stance. season. Okay. That yeah, was in wild. one season. That's why. She has more interceptions... Well, she has more interceptions in one season as a defender than Pease threw as a quarterback, and that's saying something. That's a lot. That's a lot. Because I throw a lot of interceptions. Um, if you look at Fast Not Furious, Marilou is fantastic. Pease will say Marilou is one of the top-tier Russian FPF, and I agree of with that. Of all the rushers I've faced, um, she's the one of the most, if not the most impactful, and I'm rarely bothered by rushers. Exactly. I hope she doesn't hear that because I think we're playing against them. But they know. <laughs> outside of Marilou, there's no female players on this team who you need to game plan for. On the other hand, if you're looking at why and why, you need to I mean, game plan. Lorianne Lapointe would like a word. Yes, Lorianne's great. I don't think you have to game plan her for the same way you have to game plan for Kaya. Fair. Fair. She's great in possession. She'll move the chains. Kaya will change a game in a play. Rachel Valier will change a game in a play. And that's why you have two difference makers who can fundamentally flip the game in a matter of seconds, and I don't think Fast Not Furious have the same thing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely, absolutely fair. And I got to disagree, so it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I made a point. I don't think I chose one. Oh, I decided to disagree okay, with Eagle this fair. time. I got to choose new victims. Um, let's discuss the landscape of the women's flag uh, uh, division. How is it affected by women who are playing youth sports or coaching in youth sports? Sorry, could you repeat the question? Okay, so... <laughs> The women's division sees a lot of players during the flag season uh, who will leave to either coach or play in uh, youth sports. Yes. And for the university teams, CJP teams and all that. Uh, or I guess RESCQ and, and, and youth sports. Um, how do you think this impacts this division 
now with the teams that have registered. I think it brings a really cool vibe into the vision, which is the old against the new. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a team There's like... There's so much unknown, for s- sure. S- half unknown, half not unknown. Yeah. If you look at a team like Brut, who, by the way, I think are the hands-down favorites in this division, there is a ton of experience on this team. This is a team essentially of fantastic... If there was U Sports, all of these bo- girls would have been playing U Sports maybe 10 years ago. They've now slightly aged past that, as we all tend to do in life. Eagle's making interesting hand gestures, wiping down his desk. So this is a team of extremely experienced players whose athleticism, as it happens when you slightly start aging, is on the decline. And that's an interesting vibe of team. P's, you've played with that kind of team who are a smart possession-based team. On the flip side of that, you have the two Lou and Louvznor team, who I know nothing about. Nothing at all. Not a single thing. In fact, I went, I, at first I thought the two teams had the same name. I thought when I first saw the standings that they were a mistake and they registered twice. They yeah, are not same. a mistake. Anyways, so I presume from what I know of these teams, so the registration emails I've read, they're young. They're probably fast. They're probably more athletic than you and I. Definitely but more athletic than me. <laughs> that's not I don't much. have ankles. <laughs> <laughs> they're liquid. <laughs> but that liquid joint could be really efficient. Anyways, so I think this dynamic of the old experience competing against new and fast mm-hmm. could be super cool to see. It's going to make for interesting games, for sure. Yep. Um, so, you think Brut are the, the hands-on favorite. Where does this leave Red Nation? Um, the Looking for a quarterback? Well, that's... Uh, that's always Although, having called the game, um, Alison Sobel does... Like I called the game in the finals. Um, she, she, she does do some impressive things with the ball, uh, but... She's an absolute gun- gunslinger, and I feel like sometimes she's got to rein it in a little bit. Yeah, so it's a good question about Red Nation. Unfortunately, I'd have to put them as the number two seed. Not unfortunate because I think against Red Nation. Unfortunate because I don't know a single other team in this division. Vortex, I'd kind of click on the roster and look at them a bit more. And the two Lou teams, we've already said we don't know who they are. I think this Red Nation team is in purgatory. Very mm. simply put, they have the athletes that succeed. They have Rachel Valier on defense who will get us another 10 interceptions this season. I just don't think they have the quarterback play. Ooh, I hit something. That's not yes. good. To put them People over the top. People don't need to know that. Just pick your point. <laughs> but I, I, I talk through it. Anyways, it helps me. The podcast is all about us, obviously. Clearly. On air training. I like it. Exactly. I like it. This is, I, I've had no training before this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, let's get a call in with uh, someone more experienced. Uh, we'll get a call into Mokan. We'll get some more information about um, what's happening at the field. Let's go. Let's add to the information we already got from Mo. Give me some Mo. He might be scorekeeping right now because there are games and flights, so we'll see That's if he why actually does answer. I know, but he might be like busy entering a score. Oh. Hey, Mo, how's it going, buddy? You busy? Not bad. No, I'm giving uh, Larry the tutorial of, of the iPad. So Is she less nervous? These, well, you know what? She had no idea the NFL began today. Uh, she thought the Steelers were the Raiders. Okay. And uh, so I'm trying to. She's been struggling this entire like last 45 minutes of uh, of her FPF job right now. So, so if you had to compare her level of nerves to um, an animal from the animal kingdom, who would you choose? I say a duck. Duck. Nervous a duck. as a duck. Ducks I've, org. I've often heard <laughs> nervous as a duck. If you want more information on ducks, remember to check out ducks.org. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the one time Rob almost fired me who's related to Ducks.org but yeah. I promise you uh, you will enjoy exactly. the experience it's a exactly. worthwhile organization Mo how is the weather out there? 
Weather's perfect out here. It's comfortable. Uh, I am wearing a light jacket because mosquitoes are definitely out in uh, in uh, full force. Oh, What's your bug spray of choice? <laughs> Sorry? Sorry? Bug spray of choice. What are we going with? Uh, I don't use the bug spray, actually, um, Ooh, uh, unless otherwise. But, My, uh, but yeah, no. But so far, the bugs have been okay. But so far, we're we're doing pretty good for opening night for FDF Cup. Awesome. My uh, my bug spray of choice is cigars. Thank you, Mo, for um, that uh, update. We appreciate yep. it, and we'll talk to you excellent. later. All right, <laughs> later. Uh, excellent Ooh. insight uh, from Mo. That live game update was brought to you by Sportira. Uh, Sportira suiting your in-game needs. Um, <laughs> so. They don't even pay us for that plug. No. <laughs> <laughs> they but should. I, I felt I felt as though it should be sponsored because of how important those updates are because now we know what's happening at the fields. Um, and we know Mo doesn't wear bug spray. Now we know. You know that I've only been bitten by a mosquito one time in my life. They You're say lying. that alcohol no, in your not. bloodstream wards away bugs, so I believe that. <laughs> Thank God I started drinking at 12. <laughs> um, so there's, I've usually written low division articles uh, because I find them the most challenging. Um, I I feel difficult. All, oftentimes, we get writers f- who are newer to the divisions and new, newer to writing in FPF, and I, I feel bad giving them the assignment of writing Division 6, Division E, because there's so much unknown. So which poor soul is covering Tier 4? It's, it's Iggy. Poor it's Iggy. Iggy. Yeah. Rip Iggy magnets. Uh, he, he actually volunteered for it. So um, Is he okay? Do we need to check in on him? He's just not as intelligent as I thought he was. Mm, that makes sense. So <coughs> this year, however, Tier 4... T- Usually Div 6, Div E, whatever it is. Tier 4 is the first time there's not necessarily a team that scares me from a coverage perspective. Because basically all of them are somewhat known rosters other than WIB 2.0, of which I don't recognize. I recognize Skylar Bailiff, but that's basically it on that roster. But every other team, at least the name, reminds me of a group of players. There's also the team cleverly named deep balls because we haven't had a million teams with balls with a Z on it. Um, but this is just balls deep from last year, but they switched it around because we teased them for it, wasn't it? I don't know. No, it, no, it's a new group of it's, it's a new group of souls. balls, people. It's a new group of balls. Look up your name before you try it out. Yeah, I promise you it's not as clever as you think it is. But I'm curious to see um, those two new teams, how they'll do... Um, for one of the things I do that I'm going to be doing in my article, while it is a division, a tier one and two article, is I'm going to bring back uh, a um, segment in that article called PZ's Playbook where I break down uh, a specific play that is run in FPF and I talk about how it's run, what to look for, how to read it, how to execute it against different defenses. Some quarterbacks have implemented it and have come back to me and said it's really helpful. Uh, like who? It ball well, the best ex- the best example of that is uh, Iggy Magnets. Uh, he played quarterback for you this season. He ran ostensibly the same season, st- same system run by myself, Stephen Harpersod, um, and he was quarterback of the year in coed. And I'd love to take credit for it, but it's mostly on him because he's the one making the passes. But it allowed him to reach that level much quicker than if he was doing it on his own. These are plays that are work that work. They. If I'm able to execute them with my fading skills and arthritis, I promise you, you'll be able to do it uh, at a much higher level. So uh, 
if I can do it, you can. I promise you. I'll be in- introducing that for the new teams. Also, if you see us at the field, come ask questions. Talk to us. We love talking about flag football. Very clearly, we're on a weekly podcast talking about flag football. Ask me about defense. Ask P's about offense. Yeah. Ask Don't the opposite, <laughs> and you'll be very confused. You'll be very disappointed. Um, so, yeah. So, we will um, we will uh, get into more of those teams as we learn more about them. Uh, so far, Wib 2.0, even though your name is also trash, we... Uh, like that name better because at least it's not a ball's pun. Um, it's new trash, which is always better than old trash. Yeah, exactly. I've often said that. I've often said that about actual trash. Um, of the returning teams, what can we expect? Good question. Thanks, a man. Lot of, yeah, I, I always say good question because that lets me think because yeah. I didn't do the thinking beforehand. Um, of the returning teams, I think we can expect a lot of QB inconsistency, which is fun stuff in Division 4. Um, from Save the Turtles, I think Vincent Chung is going to be playing quarterback. Penetrators have had... Really? I didn't know that. Yes, I believe so. He sent us an email asking to have his QB rating lowered. Okay. So I'm relatively certain... Well, not lowered, but given a QB yeah. rating. Uh, by the way, anyone out there who needs their rating modified for a game, you can also do that on the site. On the So where you submit... Sorry, where you verify your roster, there's a rating modification form. That goes to yours truly. I'll review, get back to you ASAP, ASAP. Um, long story short... The best quarterback in this division will be the best team in this division. Unfortunately, that starts off by ruling out QB rollouts who don't have a quarterback, who I think pull names out of bucket every game to decide them. A team I like to look at in terms of maybe being the front runners in this one would be the Penetrators. Their quarterback, if my memory is worth its dime, is Justin Good. No, I was going to say Jesse Goodman. Just to put it out there. His name is Justin Goodman. Justin Goodman, yeah. This is a team... I like. I, I was going to mention Justin Goodman also. I like him a lot yeah. as well. So the reason I like these sort of teams, they remind me of Easy Fun a million years ago. Not that they have the same level of tackle football pedigree, but when you see these teams which stick together and grow together, it does this really cool thing at the start where it keeps all of your caps low together, and you let and that move team can move up slowly together. Well, like so to to your point. Um, Hot Sauce Sports, my team, is a team that started Division 6, and the core of that team is still together. Exactly. And we're now competing in Tier 2. Exactly. So um, it's, it's, it's an effective way to build a team. Look, you're going to lose players along the way. People get busy. People you know, find other things to do. People get poached. Maybe get told to play soccer instead. But for the, the players who can compete, um, stick with that, and you'll add the pieces as you get to be part of the community. This team, Phyllis, has been taking steps for long enough. Yeah. Their logical next step at this point is a championship. Yeah. Is there a team who you prefer to the Penetrators? Because I, 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 looking through these teams... They're fun. The inconsistency bothers me a little bit. I like Save the Turtles. <sighs> Primetime, they just... They're right there. <laughs> the defense is so good. Um, they, they, they ran with multiple quarterbacks through the season for reasons I didn't really understand. Um, I think Daniel Spina is the quarterback now, but we also saw Adam Weechi throw. We saw Ethan Adrian throw. Ethan Adrian, I think, is a great rusher. Alessio Muro is a great two-way player. Uh, George Jodis also very good. Um, they're solid top to bottom. The defense is going to be good, as, as we expect. Um, I'm curious about who's going to be playing quarterback and whether or not it's going to be consistent effort. Um, other than that... Um, we would expect Daniel Spina, right? That would make sense. That's how they ended the season, yes. Yeah. And they ended the season with decent quarterback, but it would make sense to come back with Daniel Spina, but a lot of these teams, you can come into the season and be like, you're the plan to k- play quarterback, 
the starting quarterback doesn't always mean they're the end-of-season quarterback, quarterback yeah. and it doesn't always mean the best quarterback on your roster is playing quarterback. It's kind of the beauty of the Fall Cup. Is Garner Ross the best quarterback in this division? I love Garner Ross. Talk Same. about lefty, lefties who don't know how to throw. Garner Ross is the king of lefties with a wonky throwing motion. Yeah. Um, no, I follow this. You know why? It's because all of our dads are right-handed, and so yes. they can't properly teach us how to throw because it's, we see everything in reverse. Yes. Lefty quarterbacks are bad because we have daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've been following this Toon Squad team since their little pip squeaks playing in the FPF Junior Division. I've loved their progress. That being said, the best throw that Garner Ross made was the jump ball to Chaz Presser. Unfortunately, Chaz Presser just posted on Facebook, moving into his dorm at University of Ottawa. First of all, congratulations, Chaz. Beautiful dorm room. It looks like every other dorm room. Uh, the downside is Garner Ross can now no longer throw to Chaz Presser, who is an upper division talent who'd always played down to stay with Toon Squad. I think with out Chaz, who is both a defensive play caller for this team, their top offensive weapon, they're kind of left without an identity. Yeah. Which sucks. Um, so call me up as a sub. I'll help you guys out. Um, it was weird a couple seasons ago. They took, a, they took offense like, like maybe the podcast is going to stop hating on us. And I was like, I think we're all fans of Toon Squad. <laughs> like, it's the most homegrown of homegrown FPF teams. Um, you know, if... Um, if he's at uh, University of Ottawa or Carlson? University of Ottawa, I believe. Nice. Enjoy, uh, enjoy living in Sandy Hill, man. It's a nice area. Um, the the uh, the next thing I want to, to get to for division for this division was uh, an important segment where we decide the fate of one of the teams in the division. We talked about how primetime went from quarterback to quarterback. Here we have quarterback roulette, a team designed to run multiple quarterbacks in one game. And we'll see who's playing quarterback in the first half and who's playing quarterback in the second half. But we don't know who's actually going to put themselves up as quarterback because it's a different let's roster. Let's run the same wheel as last season until we have more information. But we, literally, the team's not the same. So I know you, who I want to prepare to play a roulette wheel with all the different players? I have not. Only the four from last year. So what you're saying is you didn't prepare for the show. It's okay. I'm in the Given same that, level. we'll run the roulette wheel from last season. First half of the game will be... Kenny Boutelier, is he still on the roster? Yes, 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 Kenny is, Kenny is. Kenny Boutelier, you're thrown in the first half. And second half, <coughs> let's spin the wheel again. The wheel is spinning, it is coming to a stop. And yes, go Zachary Alberts-Gill will be throwing in the second half of this game. If you don't follow this advice, you will lose the game, and you deserve it. You deserve all the harm that comes to you. I love Zach. He's one of the nicest guys yeah. in FPF. Also, I think the reason he's such a good rusher is that he looks terrifying. It looks like you're about to get mauled by a bear when actually all he wants to do is come up, laugh with you, and maybe give yeah. you a hug. Hang and out, seeing that as a quarterback, I just picture him gripping the ball, squishing it, and just throwing it like a frisbee, and I'm paying to see that. Game he, of the uh, week, by the way. I wanted this filmed. He, uh, he rushed me early in his FPF career and was so frustrated because the ball's out of my hands, usually within two seconds, because I know I can't move. And he said, I'm so bored. <laughs> I'm bored of all the things that are happening in this game. I think he was just doing the game to get his steps in. Like, those were those cases I'd go to the ref, was like, that man's allowed to wear his Fitbit, Fitbit endorsed, yeah. not really at all, sorry. Um, yeah, maybe they'll sponsor us as well, more than Sportira, or maybe less than Sportira. I don't I think see. we're getting any sponsorships. But yes. We, our, our sponsorship with Sportira, only players benefit from. I know. <laughs> Players get a discount because of us. That's our sponsorship. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, we now know who's throwing for for them. Uh, let's move on to, to tier three. Is Kiss My In-Laws the best version of the KM team names? It's the best Kiss My team name yet. Me and Iggy have been dreaming this one up at Honey's for a while, but I think you're talking about the actual team and not the team no, no, name. No, no, the team name. Oh, the team name's That's amazing. That's the only coverage of this team we're going to have this year, this, uh, this season. It's the best Kiss My version until we get Kiss My Grokuk. Okay. We need to get Dom Lafar with you. Oh, Jesus. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be tough. That'll be tough. There will be peace summits needed. Yeah, yeah. We we need to we need to meet on neutral ground. Maybe yeah. uh, they're from MFL, right? Not Tel- Okay, we'll meet in Terrebonne. We'll go meet on the Terrebonne field. Yep, I, I, I'm okay with that. Set it up. Um, let's evaluate some of the sort of fringe T three quarterbacks, quarterbacks that could have potentially thrown in tier two, uh, and I want to see what you think. Uh, and I like so. The, the the rating system is complicated. It's it's more automated than people think, but. We do evaluate uh, some of the quarterbacks who are on that line. And I want to know the thinking behind uh, why some of these players are throwing in this division. That's a good question. So let's start with Frank K. of Voodoo. Okay. So there's some I'll disagree with, and there's some that I'll 100% stand by. Frank Kai sent us in a rating division, and we look at ratings all there. We try to assess where quarterbacks are in their development, regression, progression. I close my eyes. I picture Frank Kai. I picture him in Tier 3. It feels like the appropriate place for a quarterback who has limited mobility, limited arm strength, and has limited capped height. his progression. Bruh, and say wait, wait, wait. Let me add the last thing. Bruh. And has capped... Frank Kai is not adding to his playbook. Frank Kai is not adding to his understanding of defenses. Frank Kai understands things as he does, will not understand it worse, and will not understand it better. We have seen the best version of Frank Kai. And now every His day mom is going to be so angry with I'm, I'm having an existential moment because maybe there's something you know that we don't. Have we been wrong for a decade and he just hasn't corrected us out of politeness? Because we've always said Frank K. Oh, I you, also, you also call him James, Dr- you you James Drysdale James Drisdale. I don't know which one's right either. And James would never correct us. James is He's way too He's never corrected nice. either one of us. So, I don't know. I but feel like Frank would have told us. Yeah. But then again... I, I, I now polite. no longer remembered what I called him before. It's Frank K. Frank K. For me, it's Frank Kai. He can text us in which one's correct. Okay. Let us know, Frank. Um, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I really like you. Apologies to Mrs. K or Kai. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was wrong on Kia's name for the longest time. I called her Kaya, and it's a very similar issue yeah. I could be making here. So, um, it's just weird for me because I basically moved up through divisions with Frank. And he smoked us last winter um, because, like, it's inexplicable, too, because there are games where he struggles and it's like, oh, I thought Voodoo would win that game. And then there are games where, like, Voodoo doesn't have a chance. And Frank is unstoppable. He'll, he'll complete, like, 26 of 30 passes. And you're like, well, I guess they just can't be stopped today. It's such a weird concept. It's honestly one of the teams I hate calling defense against the most because you can run a successful defense against them one week. He will not change his playbook. He will come against you the next week, and it will just it will work. I've told Justin, uh, Justin Blanchard, when he was covering, playing against them, I was like, when you're ISO, he's running a comeback. Uh, Patrick Amon's running a comeback. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He does it all the time. Running a comeback in Justin's face, caught a touchdown. It's like, well, what do you want us to do now? <laughs> like, you literally know the route. I, I think tried undercutting, got boxed out, and it's a touchdown. I think the thing that sold us on uh, – Frank fitting in tier three here. Uh, well, obviously the rating calculation allowed for it. Like it's not like he was yeah, he was right over. on the brink he was, already. He's like right on the cusp. But also, like I brought up his stats for previous seasons, 
this is as consistent as consistent gets with no season being completely standout-ish, right? Like, take a look at his stats across all these different teams. The yardage, the touchdowns, the interceptions, the sacks, completion percentage, quarterback ratings are all effectively about the same, hovering in that, like, 95 to 100 QBR range, hovering somewhere in the mid-30s type of range on touchdowns, hovering somewhere in the just double digits for interceptions. It's There's never been a year where you can say, oh, yeah, he really deserves to get bumped up. He's been consistently consistent, if that makes any Frank sense. Frank Kai is Frank okay. Kai. Kai, and I'll say it until I'm corrected. Or he's Frank K. Kai. <laughs> Whereas if you look at someone like Pease, the reason that Pease is able to go from the six to the tier two is that his understanding of the game and comprehension of concepts, even his playbook evolves. So what you're saying I is, is Frank was never dumb and I was really dumb. Yes. All right, gotcha. That but makes I don't fun. think Frank, as much as I like him as a quarterback, is really smart. I mm-hmm. think he's smart. I don't think he's really smart. My head, you're talking so he much is trash about one of the nicest dudes. He, this is not <laughs> trash. He's the this one. This is why people hate you. Oh, yes. But Frank <laughs> sent me an email saying, I am trash. Rate, lower my rating. So I'm saying Frank's less trash than, Fra- than Frank thinks Frank is. He was lying to you so he gets his, lower, his rating lower. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Joel Hill Ravens. I don't think Joel was lowered. Eagle, correct me if I'm wrong. Nope. This was just that the math worked out. So is it weird that his. That it worked out. No. Why? Okay. I've played with Ravens. Ravens are a really good team because they have a really good defense. They're a team of huge dudes who build a literal wall on the goal line and you can't punch it through. Joel has exceptional ball placement. I've never played, I, look, I've played with quarterbacks like Pease, like Iggy, and like Steve H. my whole FPF career. Catching strays. And e, Frank K, Iggy, all of us catching exactly. strays. And so if I was running an out on the goal line, I'd expect the ball roughly near the cone. And the concept of running these routes with Joel is you're catching the ball a yard off the ground, a yard outside the field, where only his receivers can catch it. It's impossible for it to be an interception. At the same time, he's forcing these difficult throws so much, it feels like he's trying so hard to avoid those interceptions. He's at the same time capping his development. Ravens have never been an offensive juggernaut. Yeah. Joel Uhl has never been an offensive juggernaut of a QB. He's never been a bad QB, but they've won because of their defense, never because of Joel. And I don't mean that as any slight. I loved playing with him. I think he's an exceptionally talented QB. It's just he needs to prove he can be the it factor before he goes up a division. The, the one weakness uh, I spotted with Joel Hill, um is when the first read isn't there, he, needs, he often needs to reset his feet. And his ball placement struggles when he needs to reset his feet. His footwork is not the best. And again, like not all of us, uh, you know, you talked about quarterbacks that don't use great footwork to begin with. His footwork is not an issue, except that for some reason, his, uh, his throwing mechanic struggles when he's resetting his feet. And I don't know exactly why it is. It's just something I noticed on film and game of the week. It's something we've used against him in the FPF Cup. You were on the team last year when we used it against him in spring. Um, when the first read's not there, and if you have a good rusher, he struggles to reset his feet. Yes, but if you look at Joel, I've played with Joel. Mm-hmm. I think he's an amazing quarterback. Yep. I'm standing by that fact. There's just, I'm, I have a hard time understanding what's preventing him going from that next level, right? Taking that drop. I think he stays on the first read too long. And because of that, he doesn't have time to set his feet properly, and the rusher gets to it, it interferes with his throwing motion. Okay, but... 
his throw when he's resetting his feet is still a better throw than most quarterbacks rated like him are making. Correct. It's not a bad throw. His no, his first read is great. His second read with shifted feet is good. And most quarterbacks rated the same as him don't have a great option. Their best is good. So how often does he get to his third read? If you not as often as he if you, should. If you, if you had to put a percentage on it. Okay, well, actually, let me ask. Let me ask you: How often do you throw to your third read? Unless you use that throw. I'm saying get to your third read. So how how often do you get to your every third play? Read? Every play. Every play. Iggy as well. Frank K as well. Those three guys you mentioned—that's the strength, right? Because we can't play another way. We don't have jo- Joel Hill's arm. We don't have his physical abilities. I, admittedly, you design plays such that the third that read is, is easy. It's possible to do it. Whereas he's also running a lot You're of not mirrors and left and right side of the field. Everything's in the same window. Yeah. he's not running a lot of plays like that. And a majority of the time, he's not calling his own plays. Matthew Uyl is calling around half the plays in the side. But that's also why he stays with the first read long, because he doesn't, he might not understand the depth of that read the way he needs to. So I think that, I didn't know that about them. I think the best development would be if before the season, Matthew says, I think these plays work for you. And then he goes back and understands them. And in-game, let him call the plays. Um, and I think that's going to make a huge deal. Buccaneer, lockdown. Yes, sir. Oh, no, the image is gone. Okay. <laughs> it's no longer Kimbo Slice. I know. <laughs> it was Kimbo Slice? I didn't know that. It yeah. was Kimbo Slice. I missed Shirtless Kimbo, Kimbo Slice. It was the best part. I, uh, for full disclosure on this one, even though I do maintain the ratings, I choose to not change anyone on my team, so this was not updated. This is pure math again. Just full disclaimer. Yeah. The same way where even if I think Buccaneer was lowered one season, Eagle submitted the rating request to me. And the same reason if I have a rating request to my team, I submit it to Eagle and we keep each other checked and balanced that way. And I think it was like a point two that year. And it was like a year ago or something. It was point one on both offense and defense. Yes, that was it. It was significant. Yeah. Yeah. Buccaneer. <sighs> Pease, want to take this one? This is not a quarterback I've faced a ton. It's a, it's, he's one of the guys who taught me to play the position. So I sure. know. So that's why I'm asking um, you. One of the prettiest balls you'll see thrown in FPF. Um, his ability to throw deep off his back foot is awesome. The amount of times he does it, infuriating. The amount of times he doesn't do simple things like check the backside of the read when he's throwing a post. Look, we all make that mistake. It cost us a trip to the vinyl. So <laughs> I, I, I understand that. Uh, the, the main issue is, is that is, um, he takes too many risks. He trusts that arm strength too much. Um, he he makes his life difficult when there are things wide open. He just doesn't take it. So in terms of ratings, there's quarterbacks. A majority of quarterbacks at FPF are progressing. Yeah. Buck necessarily, we're all getting older. His arm talent is decreasing. So th- and his reads are all right. So if we take the presumption that as his t- arm talent digresses, he'll make more and more sloppy throws. Is this a quarterback that's now on the decline? In a sense, although I don't think the reading is the issue so much as play calling. In, in that, like, so you see what the defense is doing. How can I attack that, or how can I set up something else? And I feel as though that it's he has a play he wants to run, and will run it. And then we'll try and make the best read given what the defense is giving him, but not necessarily attack the concept that the defense is is using against him. Um, He's a super talented guy, so I, I hope that changes. But 
I mean, Eagle, you know him well, right? Like, I, I think that's just, that's hardwired into his personality. Is I'm going to just outwill you to victory. If Mike McCarthy was his coach, they'd have the perfect system between the two <laughs> of them. There we go. These are the kind of references I can get. Yeah. Um, so, the next one on the list it would be Gab Wiseman. This one to me is egregious. This one to me is egregious as well. And that's why I'm turning the mic yeah. over to Eagle right now. I vetoed this one over here um, for two reasons. One, statistically, after we ran the algorithm from, tier, uh, well, I guess, Division C from last year, Wiseman was actually rated the third worst quarterback in Tier C based on the sample size of his games, which were enough to get rated. Uh, and as well, the roster that they were submitting for Bruins was a Tier 3 roster at the end of the day. Um, so be- be- between those two reasons... We allowed for it, even though this one was very contentious between uh, myself and the rest of the staff and everything. But yeah, I pulled rank on this one. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm not involved in the process. Again, I'm not. Uh, this is not part of my dossier. Um, but it feels off. Although I can understand where Eagle's coming from. He wasn't great in spring, but I think that might be just he wasn't throwing for a team. That was created for him. The Bruins team is created for him. It's not the strongest Bruins team we've seen because, again, his quarterback rating occupies more of the cap than it has when they played in other divisions. So I don't think they're going to necessarily run away with the division, but I would be shocked if they didn't win most of those close games and end up 9-1 and one or 8-2. and two. Wiseman is the best quarterback in this division, yes. and I don't think that's a controversial take no. in the least. He is. Yeah, I didn't think he was a Tier 3 quarterback. I'm happy to say that on air i think his ability to get through a significant amount of reads shift and then get to the very elusive fourth and fifth read is unparalleled compared to any other quarterback in this division the reason why i love wiseman as a quarterback is because he's both a pocket passer and a scrambler he can win a game by sitting in the pocket and dicing up a defense he can also win a game by scrambling creating time and getting to the extra reads that's an ability for me which is reserved to Tier 2 quarterbacks. And in Tier 3 is quarterbacks who are good at one or the other. Yeah. And Tier 4 is quarterbacks who are good at neither one. Not yet. Yeah. Or, or that we don't know if they're good yet. Yeah, yeah. Who haven't proved they're good yet, obviously. You could register an U Sports quarterback in Tier 4. We've never heard of them. That's unfortunately yeah. the life of an FBF. That's just the that's just sort of uh, function of what we're dealing with. To right? the great chagrin of many, many... Many lower division but teams. The, the, the biggest issue I always say is like, if a guy named Thomas Brady shows up and registers for the league, we're not going to assume it's Tom Brady. And then also like, there might be a guy who played in U Sports and we just don't know the name. We're not familiar with. It would be unfair to penalize one player and then reward another player uh, just because we don't personally know them. Yes. Um, and also playing FPF is different from playing in U Sports. Very. Different. Oh yeah, we've I seen tackle like quarterbacks come in and have no idea how to play on a tighter field. We've it's never just, seen or even ta- we've touch. never seen and Mo, Mo makes this argument all the time for like guys like Sam Caron and uh, the dude who's playing for Blackouts who uh, I, we'll talk about him later as well. Um, Adam Sinagra. Yeah. Very decorated tackle quarterback. Did they win championships? Nope. Does Stephen Harper saw it? Yes. Because it's not the same game. Obviously, Stephen Harperson would not be a good U-sports quarterback, right? No. <laughs> you know, obviously, Kevin Wyeth might have been, or, or, or like he was a great outdoor quarterback as well. But it's, you know, Dan Lazara. Dan Lazara played, uh, you know, for Concordia and saw some success. And 
it's not necessary. It's not a necessary path to success. It's not a guaranteed path to success either. So I, I was having this vision the other day. I could go one of these one of these tangents I get sometimes. Um, I want to see Stephen H play tackle football more badly than I want to see everyone else. I want to see triple slants run with an offensive line and linebackers. Does that not entice you? No. The absolute carnage that would result? Yeah. I mean, he would need a different cast of receivers every single game. Well, yeah, because I, I've, I've literally made throws before in FPF where I was like, I tell a guy, if I made that throw and tackle, you're bones would be liquid and I'd be writing letters of apology to your entire family. <laughs> and, you know, like that's, that's just the way it is. Um, what about Eric Lalonde? Eric Lalonde is someone who I will Arush. need to Google. Yes, Arush is one of those teams who I don't know a ton about. I know they exploded in the last Fall Cup. I know they're talented, and that's about all I know about them. Um, let me take a look at his profile and get a snap analysis of this because I don't know. Ooh, that's what's nice a, hair. That's nice hair. What's a good comparison for Arush in terms of an NFL team who always makes the playoffs but loses in either the wild card route or the divisional round? The Cowboys. Yeah, he's like a the, the Arush and uh, Eric Lalonde are Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. It's it's actually a really good comparison because they seem to have all the parts. They have the big men who can take up space on a field, who can go up for catching balls, who can play defense properly and everything. Who again, Eric Lalonde throws a really nice ball. Yet for some reason, they can't have a run where everything comes together when it needs to. There's always a game they get to where it's a matchup that they just don't do well in. That they don't show up on one side of the ball and they just lose a game because of that. And I feel like that's been the entire career. Like, even Dope Boys, I think, had a very similar experience yeah. way back on and everything. It, it seems to be the story of Eric Lalonde's FPF career where that, that game where you need to outshine your opponent, it never happens when it matters. Yeah. Um, um, Thank you for doing my job, Eagle. I don't. I, I kind of so the like the Dak Prescott thing where, like, when people are like, "Oh, he's not elite." Okay, it doesn't mean he's not good. Like, just no, because Eric no, Lalonde exactly. is not Gav Wiseman, just because he's not Joel Hull, it doesn't mean he's not going to have a competitive team and have a chance of winning a championship. They have the pieces. It's just a question of making a, a slight next improvement and I, I can see them appearing in, in, in the Fall Cup Finals as well. Um, who's... Sorry, Sulfes. Oh Francis no. Rocher is allowed to throw for them this season. Will they cheat anyway? I think they'll find upper division quarterbacks who are blonde of curly hair and just get them to throw for the sheer enjoyment of it. I remember the absolute headaches this caused last season going through these games. I was. I felt you like always get caught. Just don't do it. I felt like a detective. I was calling scorekeepers and stalking people on Instagram, going, "Who does this look like? Who does this seem?" And I like having like blind comparisons with scorekeepers. Other teams getting upset at me. Penetrators, I don't think like me to this day because I eventually ruled that one of the games it was not Degashi. Sorry, Francis who threw. It was an absolute disaster. Long story short, please be good people. Yeah. Don't be Sulefes. <laughs> do yeah. they deserve to be talked about more? No, that's fine. We'll see how they, they look. Hopefully, this season it's a new group. Honestly, we've never had issues with that group of guys before last season, so I'm hoping they have a chance to redeem themselves. Yeah, and just restore the reputation they had before. Um, why so serious? Is this a fresh start or just replacements 2.0? It's replacements 2.0. I know. I I recently learned of the system of the team. What do you mean? 
Uh, the kind of the replacement system where you pay per game, you show up to each game. It was a bit of a disaster. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So I think the way this roster worked was they had a large pool of players, and you paid for each game you showed up at. I presume saying twenty-five to thirty bucks, and you'd have a different roster somewhat each week. To be honest, it wasn't an issue because I don't think they've ever made the playoffs, so that wasn't a consideration. It's still a terrible idea. Oh yeah, it's a terrible idea. It's like FPF anarchy. A, it's going to cost your captain a lot of money when people yes. don't pay. B, you have no commitment from players. C, because you have no commitment from players, it's hard to build chemistry. But what if you're an amazing quarterback, you register, and you use this as an idea to make money off of FPF because you have players clamoring to play with you? Is there a money-making idea there? I mean, first you have to be an elite quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Kevin Wyeth does this, does he make money? Um... Kevin White's a good person, so I don't <laughs> think he'd want to make money on it. But let's say, wait, wait. let's say you if wanted Gito to go... does this, does Gito make money? I, I was going to say, let's say you wanted to go on the dark side, you would maybe have a system for doing something similar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I. You can Google that team name in our system, by the way. Don't do dark siders. Those are good people. Um, yeah. I... I don't know. I don't think it's enough money to make being a dreadful person worthwhile. It's not enough money. It's it's an interesting concept. There's theory there. It's like multi-level marketing so in FPF. It it's yeah. It's a Ponzi. It's a, it's cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's FPF Ponzi <laughs> schemes. FPF Ponzi schemes are wise. Why so serious is no longer a Ponzi scheme. They've upgraded to become a real team. Um, the unfortunate reality is they're still limited by their quarterback play. I'm not sure Frank's ready to compete at a tier three level. He's one of those quarterbacks. I'd have to check what his exact rating is now, but he's one of those quarterbacks who I felt he has a 70.4 rating. Frank, if you asked us, we would happily lower you to throw in tier four. But he, also, he chose to move up from division six. He did, but I think tier four is a step above yeah. six. I think tier four would fit Frank really well. I don't know exactly where the cap of this team lands, but I feel like he could design a very competitive Tier 4 team. Um, so, there's some good players in this team. Yes. Um, he always finds good players, which shocks me. Yeah. You and I are, are familiar with Kareem Anthony Chilcott, Matthew Chadwick, obviously. Um, Robert Dielsi has been with this team a long time, and he's really good. Um, yeah. And Samuel Ayrts is excellent. So, Samuel Ayrts has dropped off one team already. I'm not okay. sure if he'll be dropping off this one as well. Um, so I'm curious to see if uh, that continues. Uh, if if Frank Taylor Coltrell is able to build a system that allows them to succeed, Frank is surrounded by so many people that can help him in the FPF media. He's got Ask for help, FPF Frank. Media. We're there for you. Come to the staff barbecue. <laughs> Ask for help. Um, we're, we're happy to help, dude. It's You're making your life too difficult. You have... Much better physical skills. Um, he throws a way nicer ball than you. It's not everyone close. does. Okay, okay, but he throws a like he has a, he has a good arm. If he, I wanted to start playing quarterback, I throw like trash. I'd have to go through the peas noodle arm school of quarterbacking, and I, I'm okay with that. Maybe in ten years when my knees give out, I'll try that. Frank doesn't need to go through noodle arm school. He can learn real quarterbacking. Yeah, and of course. If you have plays where guys are wide open, it makes the game easier. Way easier. When they have players who can get wide open, it helps. And again, they have those guys. Yes. They have those guys. To, to me, there's not a reason in Tier 3, Kareem Matthew Chilcott is not a competitor for receiver of the year. Especially on, like, 
he's used to playing. Kareem is used to playing on teams where there's guys just all over the place who can make plays and and stacked rosters. That's not that here. He to me, he's the star of the team and can be that. You know what I mean? Look, it's very simple. Frank will have players open. End of period. End of sentence. We know that will happen. He doesn't need to make crazy throws. He doesn't need to throw guys open. If all Frank does this season is complete passes to open receivers and throws the ball away when they aren't open, this team will have the best season they've ever had. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, ho- I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. I hope he throws the ball away a lot more. Who's making the, j- the biggest jump into T2 this season? Into Tier 2. That is a good question. There is a team who is jumping Thanks, at me. Thanks, man. I know. I say that's a good question every time. And I'm going to accept a compliment. I know, but elaborate a bit more on the compliment because it gives me even more time to think. I'm trying to get better at accepting compliments because I realize it's a different kind of obnoxious when you don't accept compliments. Exactly. And now, through this useless banter, which everyone on the podcast hates, I have my answer. And it's a very good answer. It's Friends Without Danny. And the reason why they're making a jump is because they're without Danny. Friends would be competitive in Tier 2. The without Danny part severely hurts. Yeah. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Daniel Moore is one of the best players in FPF history. So yeah. <laughs> seeing him not on the roster obviously hurts. They I'm kind of re- disappointed the team's not to call the Danny without friends. <laughs> That'd be amazing. It was just him. He was all by himself. If you also want all the games. If you also want to make matters worse, Benjamin Bourque is also injured and out for the season. Yeah, that is worse. It is worse. Also, Magic Lozano on the team. Jared Buck. I was calling him Joe Buck. Now I remember his name. Yeah, he yeah. has a smaller forehead. Uh, it's hard to have a bigger one. Yeah. Who would be his Troy Aikman? Uh, who's who's blonde and drunk on the team? Chad Buck. <laughs> 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 um, it has to be Chad. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, no, I I I'm kind of with you on that. Um, it's a jump just because the they are missing that significant piece okay i think wait, in wait. general the divisions give them danny i just still don't think they're competitive it's tough what do you think it's tough because danny's danny's impactful in any division but he's obviously more impactful in lower divisions where a people don't know the, the reputation and b um he can just make plays and and trick quarterbacks who are not accustomed to playing with playing against that kind of defender where it's like hey where did he come from right like guys who don't look up you know, look off throws, guys who don't look to the backside of routes and, and stuff like that. Can, can we throw Team Ethnic into this conversation? I was going to say Team Ethnic and, and Centaurs, not because of the lack of ability, but just because I, of I, how I don't like Haiti on Team Ethnic. And I'm going to say very simply why, and I know Pease will agree with me on this one. Is Ben Lawler quarterback? If the answer is yes, you can't hate on them. I mean, he's there. He qualifies to throw in the division. He qualifies to throw. This so I would imagine he's throwing. They're going to score 30 points a game. They're going to score 30 points a game. David Dandrade is going to get five interceptions this season. William Bizonet is an underrated speedster. Yeah. Um, having Check that first, place fu- first play fly. Exactly. He, yeah. Um, Afdal Martin, you were talking about him last season with um, Kiss by Vultures. He's a fantastic defender mm-hmm. who might not produce a ton of interceptions, but takes away a read. Yeah. He is minus one read on the field. He's a great flat defender. Yes. And I love those players. Yeah. Hot take. Th- those are hard to find in FPF. As a defensive coordinator, safeties are amazing. Louis Bejain, amazing safety. Marvin, amazing safety. Finding a great flat defender 
is harder than finding a great safety. Yeah. And they have two in Afdal and Anthony Sigia. And I was going to say, if FDCJ is calling the defense, that'll improve the team tr- tremendously. This team will force you to beat them deep. They're going to have Nicolas Gomez-Rizzo playing safety. I don't think this team's out of their match in Tier 2. I don't think it's too much of a step up. My only curiosity is, how do the pieces all fit together? Because right now, the names look great. But they do. it's also, it's two groups of teams mashed together. What are the two groups? I see, I see team the, the Cougars varietals of Anthony C.J. Nicholas Gomes-Rizzo. They played together in 35+. plus. That's true. Well, not all of them. Not so, all yeah. of them, but I think David Andrade won a championship throwing to Sigi and company in 35+. plus. Yeah, fair. Um, and the other one was Centaurs struggled <sighs> in... Fall. I, it's not that I don't think they can compete because they, they will compete. They're going to be fine. But it's going to be an uproar battle for them um, in this division. Jason Rossi can play quarterback, yeah. which changes everything. With a... With a uh, Flex cap. Flex cap, yeah. I expect Jason to throw for this roster. That changes. Santor, if you're listening to me right now, dear God, please have Jason throw every single game except but when I you think play against Santor. When there's Santor, Jordan Rossi throws. Like, that's his team, I think. I mean, he does want to improve his quarterback, and he only improve by playing. But Jason throwing to Jordi and Vincent is so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see that as a product in FPF. I get that Jason's junkyard dogs, I get that Jordan's. Santor, the best version of this team, sees Jason Suni at a quarterback. Yeah, I, do, I don't disagree. I'm curious. Cause we got them week one, so I'm curious to see who's throwing. I don't know Let how to prepare know. for that game. Um, if Jordan's throwing with this roster, they're slightly undermatched. Jordan's one of those quarterbacks who I feel like their rating progression has surpassed their level of play because Jordan's always surrounded himself by better talent than him. Jordan's built a roster where he's the weakest link, which, and you're a captain. You're goal building rosters for you yeah. to be the worst player. You should player always be roster. the worst player in your exactly. team as captain. That's what happened to me in co-ed one this year. We won a championship because I was the worst player. He's been a fortunate position where he's been that. The downside of that is if you're the quarterback throwing to great receivers, your cap will be inflated. I feel like Jordan's cap is a bit inflated. I don't think Jordan's a better quarterback than Gab Wiseman. No, but, I mean, it's not. Miles better one way or another. I think no, you can make if an they're both the same division. It doesn't shock. No one bats in yeah. it. Um, we have the return of Anton Sackies yeah, and the Game Changers. Their first season in Division Five, they ran the table and won the championship. And uh, he then played in Div Three with some success. And he's been away for a while, uh, but he returns. And uh, you know the biggest name, of course, to appear in that roster, uh, Louis Philippe Paquette. Uh, very underrated receiver in FPF. Um, a lot of these names feel like they slightly predate my time in FPF. I, uh, I remember the tail. As I was coming into the league, it was the tail end of Game Changers. I've heard of people like Armand Bala, who I think the best way he was described to me was Dawson Pierre Light. Does that make sense? Uh, but I've, tall. I've never seen these guys play. It's a really hard... I recognize their names. I can, like, I can respect the fact that Obviously, I know Terry. I can respect the fact that Anton has an 83 quarterback rating. That's extremely impressive. Well, so Ludwig, Ludwig Janjani and Terry Tam are two physical receivers. Louis Philippe Paquette and Alvi Mazel are great route runners. Alvi Mazel had a terrible ACL injury. Um, and 
not quite the same speed as he had in the past, but he he's still just a great tactician. I do think the team is missing a little bit of overall speed. I was going to say, so I remember the original team. I'm trying to remember his name here. Uh, Terrence Dobson, obviously, who uh, was just a monster on the field. Uh, and then you also had well, Paul Cohen Fantash was, really was there. Too. Sorry? Jonah Cohen was really good, too. And Justin, Justin Filto was, was the speedster. Insanely speedster. fast. So you had the height, you had the speed, you had the arm of Sackis, obviously, and you had a, a, a nice roster surrounding him. This Game Changers roster that we're looking at for this season is light. It's but one of the you can ones, but you but can win without yeah. game changing speed. I don't think speed. I mean, it's against their mission statement, I believe, given the team's name. I, I get that, yeah. but if you, in, in the hypothetical here, you can adapt. There's things that are a prerequisite to win an FPF. I don't think speed is a prerequisite. No, it's just it's a luxury. Oh, it's 100 percent a luxury. It's, a luxury, it's for lazy quarterbacks, and that's why Pease builds his teams with yeah. a whole bunch of speedsters. Love speed. That's um, why. Thank you, Joey. Um, the other the the. Uh, the, the other thing I want to ask, though, about them specifically, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask this to Eagle since he has more familiarity, do you think Anton's ready to compete right away, or will it take a second? That's a really hard question to ask, considering I don't know I literally Anton. literally asked Eagle, because oh, I said he's more familiar. Yeah. I, 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 I like talking. I was zoning out. I, so I, I like to look at this twofold. One, there's going to be the rust of coming back into, uh, just, I mean, FPF. I don't know if Sackis has been playing in other leagues potentially or keeping himself busy uh, while he hasn't been in our league. Um, I think there's that I rust. I think he just plays FPF. He's a, he, I remember he, when he started uh, One Point University or started working, I don't remember what life change it was, but he's like, yeah, I, just, I don't have time to commit. He's not a guy who plays in a bunch of different leagues. So I think that's definitely going to hurt him considering his last game was in spring 2019. Well, winter 2020 technically, but that year was all weird and everything. So we're talking two plus years of not playing, which is going to hurt. You're also coming back in a higher tier than you used to be playing in the past with a bunch of people on your roster who you haven't played with as well. So you're shaking off the rust building a brand new system, playing against stronger people, with people you're not comfortable with, I think it's going to be a rough start for this season and everything. So if you want to view this roster then, if it's going to be a rough start, if you want to view the pink goggles, could this be a dark... Everyone makes the playoffs. I don't think this is a team. We're both in Tier 2. I don't want to play this team in the playoffs. They're, you're better off playing them early than late. Yes. They will get better. Yeah. From everything you guys have said, they will get better. This is a team that was posting on the Facebook group looking for subs. Yeah, uh, Not subs, but players of the season. Well, even subs for game one. Yeah. Um, Anton has a propensity to throw deep a little too often. I think that worked well in low divisions. I think he learned that he can't play that way in higher divisions. And so um, I expect him to do fairly well and make a couple of mistakes early and later in the season be very successful. Um, so... Stephen Harpersad and Adam Snigra are throwing in Tier 2. Should yes. they be arrested on site for this heinous crime? <laughs> are they playing against each other? I think they are. That's going to be a beautiful matchup with Styles. I will take Steve H to take the head in that matchup. Not because he's a better throw of the ball, because he's a smarter quarterback, and because the style of football he plays is, less less, is more risk-adverse. And I don't think it's a heinous matchup. I think it's an absolutely beautiful thing to show the different kind Not of quarterbacks you can win. The fact that they're throwing in tier two. Oh, you think they're both better quarterbacks yeah. than tier two? Yes. Snyder uh, now has experience and threw in div two recently, and Stephen Harper also threw in div two recently. 
they're the best two quarterbacks in this division. Yeah. Through the creation and of it's the not QB. close. Yeah, but not close. Through the creation of a QB flex. Flex cap. Brought to us by Eagles, truly. So are you saying that the QB flex cap is an atrocity? So, no, because it allows me to play in tier two. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I am also taking advantage of the flex cap at the same time as Stephen Harper saw it. And uh, Adam Snagra is uh, hurtful. I think it allows you to throw in co-ed, not tier two. It's a, oh, I don't remember the... It's 82 in oh, co-ed two. And I think Eagle's about to fact check us. Well, either either way, it helps me throw for co-ed then. It, it does. makes me happy. Um, yeah, yeah, no. The, the, the thing is, um, Adam Snagra is a decorated quarterback in outside of FPF. And he just got here and didn't really know the game yet. Now he does. So and he learned quickly because he was throwing for two teams. As someone who doesn't know the outside football world a ton, where does Adam Sanagra come from? What's his tackle? I presume most of our listeners won't know this name. Um, it's 83, by the way. Who is? The cap. Oh, it's a, oh the cap. So Adam Sanagra is not even flex-capped. He's an 81-rated quarterback. He is throwing where we tell him he should throw. So, uh, first of all, Adam Sanagra has a Wikipedia page. Oh, oh, oh. Which is not common for FPF players. Um he played the uh, quarterback for the Calgary Dinos of the Canada West Conference in U Sports. Um, he was very decorated uh, as a quarterback in university. Um, he's he looks and is every bit the part. He also has a profile on CFL.ca. Jeepers creepers! Look at those trophies. Yeah. Okay. I I see what you're going at now. I didn't. He's know a I fringe professional quarterback. He is. He is. Yeah. Okay. This is scary. Oh, I don't want to play against I him now. I don't. Yeah, nobody wants to. And if we look at this roster, so I go into Blackout's tangent. He's throwing to Michael Kazaka, Ryan Vanswit, and that's enough to scare you? Yeah, that's enough to scare you on its own. Yeah. Those are, extru- those are fast, talented receivers with a huge arm quarterback. That's going to be a really fun team to play against. Um, here is something from CFL.ca. Just really quickly. University of Calgary quarterback Adam Sanagra. It's one of the most talented pivots available in the 2020 CFL draft. And following a trophy-laden new sports career, he's ready for the chance to dot, dot, dot. Who throws more interceptions, Steve H. or Sinagra? Probably Sinagra, but it won't be. I think together they don't throw double digits. I agree. Who wins quarterback of the year, Sinagra or Stephen H., if we already end the conversation there? The conversation I had after leaving Dunn's uh, after the roadshow. What time was that, out of curiosity? Late. 2 a.m.? To Amish, with uh, so I was in the car with Dan Lazara, and we both concurred. Stephen H is absolute, without a doubt, first ballot FBF Hall of Fame. He's changed. Some FBF. people are going to yes. be salty about that. He's already done it. He's already earned enough. Like yes. to me, like like the people that made that complaint about Joey Taylor, who just come, came off a Division B championship, by the way. Um, fine, like the style, I get it. You you can't look at Stephen H's on-field accomplishments. His winning record, his championship pedigree, his his ability to go up and, and compete in high divisions. Agreed. Absolute first ballot Hall of Famer. Adam Sinagra has that ability. I don't know if he has the pedigree just yet. Now, um, that wasn't the question, though. I, I agreed. I'm just doing a preamble. Um, I think Adam Sinagra is the more talented player. I think Stephen Harper Sod's knowledge base is far more vast and. Adam Sinagra is one more season away from taking over FPF. I think he's going to be Div 1 bound within Is he the next Dan Lazaro? That's the comparison yes. style yes. I see. Absolutely. And with no no shade thrown to Dan Lazaro at all, he's 
got more talented than that. It's not an insult. <laughs> no. You know, I don't think Dan has... He was has a starter in university, Dan. Wasn't he just physically built different than Dan? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dan throws the single most catchable ball in the history of FPF. Adam throws the, a rocket. Um, so they're different in styles, but I think just pure physical skill set, he's better. That's not what makes Dan, that makes Dan Lazare special. That's not what makes Stephen Harper special. Uh, which makes Kevin White. Kevin White is he's both things. He is. is he's the brain and and the just the sheer rocket. Of, so of, if uh, you give Adam Sinagra Stephen H's brain, is yeah, he a Kevin top White. three quarterback right now? He's what? Is he a top yeah. three quarterback? Yeah, yeah. You're, what you're describing is Kevin White. Okay, is he a top two quarterback? Is he better? You're, than you're describing the best quarterback in FPF. Okay, but is he better than the best quarterback in FPF? He's those two. sure. He's that. He's 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 on par, if not better. Like at, at that point, you're splitting hairs, right? Like he would be in the tier with Dan Lazaro, Joe Mayer, and, and um, you're one of those Jordan versus LeBron guys, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but do you do you know who Michael Jordan is? I've heard of him okay. apparently. <laughs> Some basketball dude. Yeah. Some. He was in a movie once. <laughs> he's in two played in baseball. <laughs> two movies. I watched the documentary. I like documentaries. That's not called a documentary. Um, so with that, let's get one last call into Mo and see what's going on at the fields. We need to keep the people up to date on what's happening at the fields. It's really important to uh, get those live show. updates. Yeah. Play by play. You know what the worst part is? Some scores have actually been updated for tonight's Hello. games. Hey, Mo. How's it going, buddy? Not bad. I'm almost home, actually. So the... The night is over for day one of FTF Fall Cup. Oh, nice. So you're in the car driving home? I am driving home. That is Great. How is the traffic report? Traffic is fantastic. Uh, nothing of significant consequence. And uh, I should be home about probably eight minutes from now. Great. Um, Any bug bites to report? No, we are, we're fine. Uh, I was protected by my jacket and my sweatpants. It got a little bit chillier. Ooh. Since we are in northern Quebec of Laval, and uh, yeah, we're per- pretty much uh, A-OK for the rest of the night. And the most important question, how many flag belts did you sell, and where are you dropping off the money? When? Uh, when and where? I, and how much? I probably sold about maybe 15 to 20. Ooh, it's like a cup of coffee. Yeah, I, I think I, I sold close to 100 bucks. I think. I, I like, um, I know he was helping me out, so she just gave me money, you know, like 20s and 10s and stuff. So I don't know how much I sold, but probably a decent amount for day one. But mind you, there's a lot of carryover teams, right, guys? So, yeah. So at the end, at, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, yeah, you know, people have the flag belts. Two quick questions uh, <laughs> about um, the games themselves. Is Mamacon, uh does she have any food ready for you when you get home? I want to get this out of the way before I ask about the games, of course. Um, no, because I, I usually, uh, on a game night, as it is for, say, a Thursday, I'll have my supper around like 4.35 o'clock. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. let, let her know Let her know that she's going to have to wait three weeks to get, uh, get her next donut because you're going to be at the field for the next three weeks. Uh, next thing I want to ask is, uh, we'll get to the games, of course, in a moment. But um, when you're in Laval, and Laval being so close to Montreal, how sad is it to look at Montreal and be like, man, a real city is right there? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I mean it's, it's, very, uh, it's, it's Mount Royal, right? It's, yeah. 
the, the beautiful majesty of such a great city just across the river. And for new players coming in, the parking in Laval is atrocious. If you're getting to Laval, what are the parking <laughs> tips of Mocon? Parking's pretty, 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 pretty solid here in Laval. Uh, Mr. Prime but at the field, at the field, it fills up. But outdoors or indoors? Not really. There's I a mean, few entrances what I, what you can I get, get into here, for the indoors. I, I, but if you want to be right in front of the gates, you don't want to walk. You oh, you're one of those guys that are going to circle and wait get for people segue. to leave, eh? I, I do need a segue. Does FPF provide the segues? Uh, speaking of segues, I think it's time we get to uh, Games of the Week. We'll let Mo go. Mo, thank you so much for uh, those game updates. Those game updates brought to you by Sportira. Um, if it's in your pants, you're wearing shorts. Thank you, Mo. Yes, we are. I'm wearing pants today, but not shorts. <laughs> thank All you, right, thanks, Mo. Mo. Uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. Love you. All right, boys. Be good. Ciao. Eagle time is it. All right, it is time for our favorite segment, Games of the Week. Let's do it. Which, by the way, I wasn't at the meeting where we decided that uh, weeks are going to go Thursday to Wednesday. Uh, I would like to immediately express my displeasure in this decision. So we're starting the show before games start. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's interesting, but we also have scores trickling in. So, do we cheat or not, Pees? I haven't checked. I'm a cheater. I just I'm I'm very upset with Cam Akers right now. All right, we're gonna go through. Oh no, I'm starting Cam Akers. So did I. You want to trade for Cam Akers? I did. Not even a trade is off the table. <laughs> we're gonna start with Tier One Easy W STL. I'll abstain. I know who's won this game. Um, it's who against STL? Sorry. Uh, Easy W. Uh, STL. And blessed, run it once. Blessed, run it once. Uh, hashtag NR kangaroos. 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 And KGP Braves. 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 We're not gonna pick next Thursday's games. We'll pick them during the show. Yeah. Hopefully the scores are not uploaded by then, so it'll be more fun. But either way, we'll just pick regardless of the scores. Yep. Correct. Who should have won? Yep. Coed Cup. Fit Squad. Sneaky Snakes. Uh, Fit Squad. Fit Squad. Les Petites Fuck Badgers. LPP. LPP. Free Smoke. Les Pockers. Uh, free Smoke. I don't want to agree anymore. Free Smoke. Easy Fun and Y and Y. Easy Fun. Y and Y. There we go. The Villains. Iced Out. Iced Out. The Villains. Uh, fast Not Furious. La Sect. F and F. F and F. Bench Warmers. Kiss My End Zone. Uh, we can't pick it, so kiss my hands on by 50. All 65. Right. Free smoke. You, you can pick it. Nah. Free smoke, fit squad. Uh, free s no, fit squad. Free smoke. Y and Y, melting pots. Y and Y. Y and Y. Women's division, Brut, Loup de Brut. Brut. Red Nation, Vortex. Red Nation. Vortex. And Vortex, Louvre du Nord. You know what? Give me Louvre. We don't Vortex. Know them, so why not? I'm going Vortex hard this week. Let's do it. All right. Tier four. Save the Turftles, the Step Bros. Um, I'm going to go save the Turftles. I agree. Turtles. Primetime Toon Squad. Toon Squad. Primetime. Balls Deep Red Dragons. Try not to look. I'm going to go with ball, uh, Deep Balls. Uh, they're going to win this game. They have such a creative name, and they don't deserve to lose 35 nothing at all. Red Dragons. Pete is never right. The Penetrators. Wib 2.0. Um, I'm not aware who Wib 1.0 were, so I'll go with Penetrators. Penetrators as well. And QB Roulette, Toon Squad. Toon Squad, 2-0. Roulette. 
Out of curiosity, let's see if the scores are actually in for the other games. I doubt it. We'll come back to it, though. Let's go Tier 3, Threat Level Midnight, Sulefes. Um, I'm going to go with Threat Level Midnight because Sulefes will violate the caps of yeah, yeah, I agree there. Blue Dreamers, Lalimos, 17-year-olds. Blue Dreamers are going to walk away with this one. It's an easy win. Um, there's no way they'll lose 21-19. They're just a more talented team. Blue Dreamers as well. They should win. <laughs> if they don't win, it's absolutely calamitous. It's, it's ridiculous if they don't win. Ravens, Arush. That's a good game. Uh, yeah, it is a good game. Lots of big dudes. Uh, I'll go Ravens for the bigger dudes. And I'll go Arush. Thanks for waiting for me, Eagle. Sorry. Bandits, Warriors. Warriors. Bandits. Bandits are good. Bandits are good. All right. Lockdown, Bruins. Uh, Eagle is lockdown. I'll go Bruins. Bruins by 30. Kiss my in-laws, Trap Stars. In-laws. Uh, I can't pick this one. True. Okay. Voodoo, Bandits. Mm, voodoo. Bandits. Bandits go into surprisingly. Bandits. All right. Bandits Why so well. serious, Diamond Bougie? <laughs> I'm going to go Diamond Bougie. I like the team name. I don't really know either of those teams. Let's go Why So Serious. And Killer Rays, Threat Level Midnight. Killer Rays, we didn't talk about them at all. Excellent team, man. I love them. I'm, I've had a crush on them since day one. KR. Threat Level Midnight. All right. And then lastly, Tier 2, Sweat and Beers, Game Changers. Uh, sweat and Beers. Sweat, sweat and Beers. Friends Without Danny, Kiss My Outlaws. KMO. Can't pick. Mangoose, Blackouts. 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 Ooh, good game, though. Beer Belly Brigade Team Ethnic. Uh, triple B. Team Ethnic. I'm hyping them up. And Santod Hot Sauce Sports. Can't pick it. Hot Sauce Sports by 40. Hot Sauce Sports. All right. I'm going to just see if the score of this game is clearly not in games at 10 o'clock. Uh, I don't think we have any updates for Tier 4. No other than the 35 nothing. And we'll just quickly check Tier 3 again. I don't think we got any new games uploaded yet. Nope. So that's our games of the week. There we we have to figure out a system for this in the future, but we'll get there. Um, no, I, I like the system where we pretend to ignore the results and pick the losing team. Sorry, it. Blue Dreamers. I, 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 I feel a kinship with Blue Dreamers. We, we smoke the same types of weed. I've played against them, and they're arguably one of the most chill dudes yeah. I've ever played against. It's, it's an indica. So when I talk with them, I talk a lot while I'm on the field. And most people think I'm a dick. And Blue Dreamers picked up no, on it. No, you're a dick. People perceive me as. I'm actually it, a great they, guy. They, the issues perception is accurate. Are you, though? People love me on my team. A person, your mom, loves you. Sometimes. That's very conditional. Blue Dreamers picked up on the vibes, and we just chatted the whole game. It was fun. Yeah. I, I know those dudes for a while. They're, they're good. They're, they're good chillers. Guys. Um, they yeah. deserve to win. They should win every game. They, well, they won tonight. Even if they, they don't win, it's... They it's didn't lose tonight. No. Um, Alexi, thanks for joining us today. Man. It was a pleasure. It's the first time. I'm still awake. My laptop still has batteries. It's better than not I expected. Bad. That's not bad. Uh, I'm still awake. Uh, I don't I don't go to sleep very early. I don't sleep very much. But it's going to be a challenge to make it to tomorrow morning's meeting at 7.30. Um, so I'm sorry in advance for being late, Eagle. Um... Eagle, you'll also be late for that meeting, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Thank you, Eagle, for uh, joining the proceedings as well. I want to thank Mokan for his exceptional sponsored segment where he brings us all of the game content we desire. We look forward to hearing more from Mo about the games as they unravel, 
at the field. That was excellent coverage. Live analysis. Yeah. Um, Lori Willette, I'm happy to see uh, her joining the team. Uh, and Iggy, happy to see that video of him. I've missed him. Uh, happy to see the whole team come together. Fall Cup is underway. It's official. I'm excited. It's the kickoff to the NFL season. Kickoff to the FPF season. And Eagle, what season is it really? Pumpkin spice latte season. No, it's not. <laughs> You're the only person who says that. Um, I want to thank everyone who's taken a moment to follow uh, along on social media. Take a moment to thank everyone who's watched the show or listened to the podcast. But most of all, I want to thank you all for letting me be myself. From all of us here at the We Are Point Live. Um, bye. Oh, no, my, my mistake. And remember, goodbye. And goodbye. Put the place up.